G'day everyone, for those who came in late, you're listening to X-Band, the Phantom Podcast. Washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad He said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy Injustice and cruelty And all my sons will follow me So evildoers will believe that this man cannot die The Phantom, the ghost who walks The Phantom, enemies beware The Phantom's always there But you won't find the Phantom we are the X-Band the Phantom Podcast from Chronicle Chamber. Our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can contact us via email at chroniclechamber at gmail.com. You can sub- subscribe to us via YouTube, iTunes or any of the Android apps. This is episode 175, December 2020, Comics and News. My name is Stephen East. I'm joined today by Jermaine. How are you going there, Jermaine? Yeah, yeah very good. Thanks, mate. Um, it's good to be uh, chatting Phantom on the- uh, together. And uh, it's a very special day for Jermaine. This night that we're recording, it's actually Jermaine's birthday. Happy birthday, Jermaine. Uh, thank you, mate. This just goes to show how much I love you guys, mate. Uh, <laughs> the girls are asleep out, out there and uh, we're chatting phantom. What a way to end a birthday. Absolutely. <laughs> and in that chuckle you can hear, if you're listening to the audio, can only be uh, Dan the Man Fraser. How are you, Dan? Yeah, good, Steve. I'm, I'm feeling bad right now that I didn't bring my John Sands cards to the party so I could be waving some happy birthday messages for Germ. But, uh, no, happy birthday, mate. Good of you to join us here in the 40s and uh, looking forward to uh, having a chat with you uh, about all things Phantom on your birthday. Uh, slight correction. Still uh, 30s for a couple more years. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, no, still in my 30s, mate, um, for a little bit longer. <laughs> I <laughs> I'm now, realize, now in late 30s. <laughs> I realise now that I haven't worn the uniform, I'm not wearing my T-shirt like you guys are. I was planning on wearing it on Monday at work. The kids have gone, so it's just uh, office-type administration and first aid training and that sort of stuff. So well, it's a perfect time to wear a Happy Phantoming shirt. I think so, too. So <laughs> if you're watching this on the video and you're wondering, why isn't Steve wearing his Happy Phantoming shirts? Because, well, I'm saving it for work. Just spread the love. <laughs> so we have a bumper episode today, so let's get straight into it. So comics, um, as we review the new... Oh. What? <laughs> There's a, there a slight typo in the run sheet there, it's listeners. Edits being made as we speak. <laughs> was caught just in time before I said the wrong month. <laughs> <laughs> As we review the new comics for October to December 2020, if you agree or disagree, you can let us know via our social media accounts, which have been copping it. Well, copping is not the right word. There's been lots of conversation. Lots of so lots of action on our socials lately, which has been fantastic. Um, lots, lots of interaction, which we like to see and like to read. Um, so on Facebook, you can check us out on chroniclechamber.com and the Phantom Collector Group as well. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter at, at chronicle underscore tweet, uh, Instagram at chronicle chamber, and YouTube at chronicle chamber. So we are, we are multi-platform on our social media accounts. You can hit us up on many different uh, pathways to, to get in contact with us. We still don't have a TikTok account, and I'm trying to work on that, but we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, TikTok, yeah, when the kids say, are you on TikTok, Mr. East? Yeah, it's on my, it's on my, it's on my <laughs> <list>. <laughs> It tells the time for me. Uh, crazy kids. 
Okay, so um, in the last few months, we've got one, two, three, four, five issues that have come out from FRU um, during that time. That's 1877 through to 1881. So starting off in FRU 1877, we've got The Adventures of Lucy Carey, which is the classic Lee Falkside Barry story. And we have The Outlaws, which is a new story by Peter Anderson and Rafael Dantas. Um, which is a, a, a sequel to, um, to the former story there. Um, we'll go with the birthday boy. Um, first up, what do you think of this issue there, Jermaine? Um, it's probably one of my favourite issues of the year. Um, the Adventures of Lucy Carey would be probably one of my, what, you know, probably in my top 20, 30 of Cyberry stories. Um, a fun story features past phantoms, uh, the current phantom. Uh, there's not as much, say, as action as some of the stories around that era, um, but it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a fun it's a fun adventure. Um, the the way that um, Lee Fork narrates the story and then Cy Barry, um, you know, at his peak at that time, draws it with the with the darkness, with the shadows. Both the villain doing the, you know, the snapping of the fingers and stuff like that, which you can see on my screen if you're on YouTube, you know, things like that. Um, it's just classic, uh, fans, uh, classic Phantom, classic Barry. And then you know, you got panels like this of the, you know, the big newspaper strip, you know, where the words, you know, say so much, and, and stuff like that. Like, it reminds me a bit of the Timpini story where you've got the big boom, 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 booms. I just really love that. Storytelling that um, Lee Falk and Cy Barry are doing uh, during this period. Um, cool. yeah. hey, before, I thought you'd better go into the Outlaws then. I might just catch a bit. Jermaine, being our, um, not Jermaine, sorry, Dan, being our resident Falkist, is this uh, one of the, your top stories? Um, I, I don't, I haven't put numbers on them like Jim has to say whether it's in my top 20 or 30 <laughs> or whatever, but no, it is, it is a, a favourite old uh, Lee Fork Cyberry story. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think Jim's been very, uh, um, uh, well, you, you can't avoid the fact that uh, Cyberry has enjoyed drawing Lucy Carey as well. Um, I think <laughs> it's, it's, it's a beautiful depiction of a, of a young lady and the, the whole, um, the whole story is, yeah, I, I, I agree with the way that Jermaine's described it. It's a fun story, but it's also, um, it's one of those ones that really beds down the generational aspect of the yeah. Phantom as well, um, mm. because it is so connected between modern day or the 21st Phantom and his ancestors. So, um, mm. no, really, really enjoy it. And um, for me, this is one of the examples of Cy Barry um, at his peak. You know, this is some really high quality artwork that I, that I really enjoy. Yeah. And it still stands the test of time to today. Like the the story was originally uh, appeared in in the dailies in 1964. So that's long before any of us were born. <laughs> Even Dan. Dan. I was trying to help you out there, Dan. <laughs> 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 so Dan, uh, that's payback for saying I'm in my forties. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wear it. <laughs> But um, if, you, if you're looking through your comic, page 32, 33 are good examples of lots of blacks and, and the big letters and stuff like that as well, which um, you're on YouTube, you can probably see it on my screen. So that's some good examples of what I was talking about before. Yeah. So it is a classic story and, and no doubt everyone who's 
listening to this podcast have more than more more than likely have read this before. Um, we won't probably not spend too much time on it unless you guys really want to. Um, Jermaine's mentioned a few things with the with the lettering and the and the fella who um, snaps and and Dan, you mentioned about Lucy, Lucy Carey being drawn quite well. Is there anything else that um, really take away out of this out of this story that you know if someone's listening to our podcast for the first time and they've seen this issue sitting on the the uh, shelves at the new at the news agents or at Coles, that oh I picked it up, but you know what what should they expect to see? I just think, as I said before, like it, it's a, it's one of those stories that really sets up who the Phantom is, the mm. inter- intergenerational aspect of it. But then also, um, Lucy Carey uncovering, or, or uh, she never, she never finds out who the Phantom is, but she knows the the legend and is like, oh, I can't believe that you you were here seventy five years ago and all that sort of stuff. It's one of those, it, it, again, it's one of those stories that really speaks to um, um, and establishes the Phantom law that that yeah. we really love. Yeah, and I think I think yeah, you're right because for for a newer reader, you le- you can learn a lot about the Phantom in this yeah. story. Uh, it's a, it's a brilliant point. The thing I like about it with the whole comic, in a sense, is that it's got the old and the new, and they're both enjoyable stories, and it's mm. a good jumping on point. So you know the covers nice, the covers nice and you know action packed. Um, you know, the stories are, are produced well. Like the blacks are blacks, the whites are whites. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a very good overall, a very good comic. Um, uh, and, you know, um, uh, Picky, who's the, you know, the, um, the cover artist to, to for Barry um, Anderson and Dante's have done a brilliant job and free for producing the comic, in my opinion. Yes, the, the the cover is phenomenal, and it's it's very dynamic. Like you see, well, you know, I'm looking at it myself rather than putting it to the camera. You see that thing there on the shelf. It, it's really dynamic. Really, really pops. It's um, and I, I was thinking about this just today when um I picked up my my latest comic and you know getting the 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 file cards and just seeing really how far the our covers have gone. You know, over these last twenty or whatever twenty or thirty years, um. So saying it's such a great issue, but we've only really looked at half of it. There's a, there's a second story in uh, this issue, Dan, and it's a, a, a sequel of sorts to the first one. Would you like to lead us off on that one? Yeah, well, I suppose I'll pick you up straight away on the word sequel because it's not it's technically not a sequel as such. It's, uh, it's it, but it's certainly set in the same um, narrative, I suppose. It's it doesn't follow on immediately from the first story, and, and there's not uh, it, it's got the same characters at the same time. So um, yeah, technicality, I suppose. I probably would have rather, um, and, and I'm just holding it up here, this is the end of the Lucy Carey story and the start of the next one. Um, I appreciate that um, on the second page of the um, the Outlaws story, we do have the title and all the rest of it, but um, probably would have liked some better separation of the two stories there. Just there's that moment of going, oh, what's going on here? But that's okay. Um, as so, a whole st- so I'm picking you up on that. How would you do it? Would you do a splash page like uh, I'm turning the page? Would you do a, a couple of pages of forum letters? Or would you even go as far as maybe doing a, a mixture of both where maybe you have a short essay about, you know, something related to these stories, which helps as a natural 
breaker or, yeah. or separation. Well, I certainly like the way that, um, and I understand the way that they have, um, and this is the, the artist and the, um, the author, the way that they've set it up there with a, a bit of a prologue before the actual start of the story. That's cool. I think that the letters to the editor would be fine, those, um, the Phantom Forum in the middle. Um, an essay like you've described would be better, but I guess that's... Um, Someone else has got to write that. Someone else has got to get paid. Someone else has got to spend the time to do it. So to me, I guess the, the easiest and cheapest way to do it would be to move the Phantom Forum letters. Um, aren't in this, uh... Although there aren't, there aren't any in this particular issue. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you could get an extra couple of pages in the middle there just to break them up. Um, it could be an advertisement. It could be a, you know, at the back we've got the subscribe. We could have had the, um, the trading cards ad or, or something in the middle as well. So just, just something to break it up. It's a, it's a, a it's, minor. It's very minor. Yeah, it's a minor issue. <laughs> yeah, oh, but yeah. if we know anything, people like to argue about minor issues. <laughs> I, think that's okay. I think the way that they've done it is is great, and it's just it's just a a, a nice continuous flow from one story to the next. Yeah, um, rather than being broken up. Yeah, I wonder if I was if I was to be negative, I wonder if you could have joined the stories a little bit more, like, um, but. Yeah, I, I doubt that could have happened. But um, no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I think um, I think it works well. Um, it, it, for me, it would just take, put a, a bookmark of some sort in the middle of those two, those two pages, just to really separate them out. But as I said, in terms of the actual story itself, oh. um, I really like it. The um, yeah. Peter Anderson is this his first published story or his second? No, no, no. Peter couple. Anderson's got a couple. He's got Recon. He's got Jungle Love. Of course, of course. Um, he's got that uh, horror horror story with the uh, with the cannibals out in Oldie, England. Oh, uh, the Scottish one. Was that him? Yeah, yeah, that was him. Um, That's very different to the other one. If you click on his link, um, <laughs> <laughs> it will bring up all of his stories. So he's got Shangri-La, Jungle Love, Recon, Evil Lurks in the Night, which is the one that we were just talking about yep. with Boyd's Inked in Blood, Part 1 and Part 2. And then this of course. Is, of course. Is, is, All right. Well, my apologies, Pedro, for... Uh, <laughs> so he's reasonably prolific there, Dan. Suggesting you've only had... This is only your second. You're right. Um, we've read a lot of his stories. But I guess that um, speaks to what you were just saying there, Steve, about the um, diversity of the type of stories that Pedro is yeah. producing. Because this is... Um, you know, set in um, Bolivia, um, and probably the easiest way to look at it is, um, or the, the the lens through which I look at it certainly is um, the Wild West, um, because that's certainly very much how it's set up to the point where it's got Butch, De Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid in it. Um, so, um, and and how that is written by the same guy who did, um, which is a Evil Lurks in the Night Germ. That's a, a very different story. And then Jungle Love. You know, you could you probably couldn't get three more diverse um, uh, <laughs> genre writing. So for Pitay to be able to control and master the the Phantom character in all of those different genres is um, is pretty impressive. Yeah. So for the, for just for a bit of uh, Peter Anderson and then. Um uh, oh, man. Andrew Constant. Constant. They're probably the most two prolific uh, fruit writers. So they're probably the main two stays. Of the last 
two years? Of the last five years of that, you know, uh, Free oh, went, With Free doing their own stories, they've been the yeah. loudest. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, and for those who are wanting to know, yes, Peter Anderson has agreed to come on the podcast, but he wanted a few stories behind him first. So, um, probably well, I think we've just established he's got a few stories behind him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll probably have him early in the new year by the sounds of things now. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I, it'll be fun to uh, talk to him. But for me, I really like the story. I, what I like is that through getting a nice collection of artists that all have different uniqueness about them. Um, you know, like for instance, you know, it's just some we've had Calicanti, Boyks, Paulos, Dantes, Todorado, Foley, uh, you know, Paul Mason, uh, and the, you know, the list goes on. They've all got their uniqueness about it, and I really enjoy that. Um, Rafael, Rafael Dantes has got uh, he has done an interview with us, so if you want to know a little bit more about him, make sure you go to our website. Um, his artwork, I really enjoy. Um, I like, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. He's got nice big panels. There's a bit of humor in the story. Like for instance, with the, with the walker upside down, some people might find that funny. Some people might not, um, but you know, just like some of the different angles, like that one there of, uh, Dante's of a different angle looking down from the top on, um, of the restaurant downwards on page 57, you know, that's pretty cool. And then I also like this, this double page here where you've got the phantom kind of breaking the panels. I, for me, when I look at an artist, I, I look at how they break the panels, how they have more than just the, 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 subs, the substandard nine panels on a page. I like to see how they can create different angles, different uh, size panels and coming out of a panel and all that. It just kind of adds a, a 3D element to it. And so I think he's done well here. Um, you know, this drawing here of the Phantom or as Mr. Walker in a cowboy garb, probably my favourite panel out of, out of the whole pack, out of the whole story. Um, so, yeah, no, I really enjoyed this story. It's fun. I also like how the bad guys... Are not really bad guys in this story as well. Like there's a little bit of greyness to it, and well, the the main bad guy is just genuinely bad. But uh, but then yeah, holding up in the uh, in a town full of outlaws that the Phantom actually sits down and enjoys their company, um, mm -hmm. and the goes, oh, this isn't actually these guys aren't real bad guys. They're kind yeah. of Robin Hood type characters. So yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's just a nice story, you know. And and I guess you know like you can. And I think that's the beauty about the Phantom. You can have fun stories. You can have nice stories. You can have heavy stories like Reekum and the Evil Lurks in the Night, which we mentioned before. You know, they they were hard to digest, especially from uh, Pity. And then, of course, you had the, um, uh, you know, there's been a couple of others from Team uh, Phantom Men that have been quite heavy as well. So it's nice to kind of have a nice mixture of fun stories and heavy stories. What, what did you, Steve, what did you think of the art in this one? Because I think um, the first page or so, certainly you you get a reaction of going, oh, this isn't, well, it's not Cy Barry, we, who we've just read. It's it's not your traditional phantom artwork. It's a little bit more um, cartoony, I want to say, certainly the, the first couple of pages. Um, yeah. Then there's some quite realistic depictions. Um, so, yeah, so, Steve, I'd be interested to hear what, what you thought of, of the artist. Yeah, cartoony is definitely the word that, I'll, that I would use um, with my 
great technical knowledge of that. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I, uh, I thought we should ask three, three men with art uh, <laughs> masters. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like you said um, before, you know, the first page there, you know that's no longer Cy, um, unless you're looking at the house and think, oh, that's really drawn well. Then you have to actually yeah. look at the characters and then you think, oh, hang on, this is a different artist. Um, I really do like his style. It's a, it's a fun style. I like... Um, it's also and what Jim was saying before with the big panels that the it gives the um the characters enough room to you really see who the, who they are and um it's something that I think would work well in color if you know because it's big spaces rather than yeah. um small panels um so I do like the art in it um has, has he done work it, it seems somewhat familiar has he done a few things for few for it before I'm hoping they no. may have done a cover or something just no, no, I think the artwork. I think this is his first time, and that's part mm. of why. Um, it, and you know, the elephant in the room. Um, he's referred to. He's credited as Rafael Lopez in this story, which is a editorial oversight. And um, Dudley has apologised profusely for that in some of the uh, letters to the editor in some of the the other comics we're going to see and whatever. Yeah. Um, no, so I think this is his first appearance yes. in a free. Yeah. It's his first appearance. He has done a um, a free card in the trading card series. Yeah, uh, and then I'm not sure if you can see behind me. Um, he has also He's done, done <laughs> for me. Uh, <laughs> Mate, we would. Uh, it's a narrow list of artists who have not done a sketch cover for you. The thing so, is, I've got I've got the screen um, as a, like a poster stamp in my top left hand corner. I can still see all those all the things that um, James got there in his background. Um, but one of the things you mentioned there, Jam, uh, back when you were saying your bits, um, and it had to do with the comedy. Now, I love comedy. I love myself a bit of slapstick. I love a bit of making fun of, you know, whoever. Um, but the, the comedy here, especially on pages 54 and 55, it really didn't hit the mark for me. Um, maybe one or the other, but not both. Mainly because... Um, and this is the age we're living in now. Um, we've got the, the fella here. Um, I don't think he's named at all, um, but he's the servant character, the butler Driver. character, um, who's definitely who's drawn as a, we'll say, an ethnic or a local of, of Bolivia, um, serving the, the posh white people who have come in. Um, he can't hold the name right. It's all confused. Um, and he's made to look like a buffoon later on with the... Um, with the yes. luggage. So his status gets quite diminished, whereas the others are, are quite, you know, chin up and mm. dressed very well and, and nothing bad happens to them. Whereas mm. I like a good slapstick where it happens to everybody. Mm. Oh, and if anything in slapstick, the, uh, if the suit gets the, is the one who gets the cream pie in the face, it's funnier, isn't it? So well, that's, and that's it. Um, um, so that, that's my one critique. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying there. And um, while I think the upside down Walker gag is a good one, um, yeah. I think the tripping over the, uh, it just the the humour in here seemed a little forced at times. Is is what yeah. I would say. I suppose the the punchline at the end of the scene um, seemed a little of oh, I've got to have a punchline at the end of this scene. What will it be? It was still good, but it just felt a little bit forced. And um, I guess that's. Uh, yeah, that's just what I would say about that. So, yeah. um, so I, it's, okay. it's if, you, if you were to play editors, would you take out both of them or would you leave one of them in or? 
I'd keep the sign. I think the sign yep. would be fine. Um, Especially then, with the rec law gag to yeah, go with it. I don't mind the rec law gag. Um, I maybe, you know, maybe has a quick little word to himself well, upside down. Or I don't know. It's, it's the hard. Thing the, the thing with the luggage that got me is it was about the third or fourth reference to how heavy this luggage is. And I was starting to think, right, this is an important plot point, but it, it just <laughs> no, seems just to leave a gag. Yeah, we set it, up for that, that trip over gag. So. I think it, was, um, it really doesn't suit the phantom. You know, a fellow who's supposed to help fellows who's, uh, who's struggling, surely he can take his own, uh, so, uh, yeah. his wife's okay, so uh, case. You raise a good point there, Stephen. So what about if, for instance, it was like, because this is not the first time that Peter Anderson has made a joke at the phantom's wife. Um, expense at the end of uh, Inked in Blood. There's an epilogue where he yeah. has to go dress shopping. So what about if it was the Phantom then tried to help, and then it was him that fell over with, Oof, you know, you've 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 packed a lot, Jane. Uh, do we really need that? So like yeah. that, that might have been a little bit because then that's kind of because he's coming from a position of power already, and so then you know something happens and that's funny. Whereas mm. someone who's already down low. And gets pushed down even lower. Oh. Yep. It's not that funny. Yep. Well, I'm interested that you guys would say um, that the art had so many big pedals. If I just jump back to, because I find this, I find this story quite busy. Um, I think that um, some of the um, some of the pages seem to have more than nine panels. So, you know, they might have one big one in the middle, but well, then all of a sudden, page fifty nine is a good example. Yeah, so. It, while I do, you know, the, the, and the, the 50, 60, 61, which you showed before, Jim, um, I agree, you know, they, they do have those breakout panels. But I actually, and I guess in, especially when I compare it to some of the stories we're going to review sh shortly, um, to be a very busy story with a lot of dialogue and, and quite a lot of images, um, which is not a criticism at, in any way because I enjoy the story. The, the pace is still good even though there's a lot going on. Mm. Um, it's why I guess it's yeah. something that's worth going back and pouring over again in a slower fashion later. I think I think you raise a good point. Um, a lot of Peter Anderson's stories are quite heavy in you know a lot of um, uh, like copy, and I wonder if that's a if that's a European thing where a lot of the the European style of comics is different to say an American thing where mm. um, American, I don't know. There's a lot of Americans have a lot of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we know that. And that's like, that's yeah, just that's in real life, cool. not in the comics. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I was yeah. actually thinking of some Batman comics. <laughs> I wasn't actually having a crack at them, but yeah. I was thinking of the former president. But uh, anyway, <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm sure they'll. Uh, but I wonder if because a lot of American comics are, uh, you know, like they 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 can have uh, bigger panels, bigger pages, where a lot of European and like you're looking at your classic ones from Asterix to Tintin to you know uh, Lucky Luke and stuff like that. It is more you fit more panels on a page than say an American book. So I wonder if that's yeah. if that's the style where where, where Peter has um, uh, has grown up on. And that will probably yeah. be a question to ask him when we get him on. So um, mm. Uh, mm. when you're listening to this, sir. Uh, make sure you jot this down because that will be one of the questions we will ask you when you come on. <laughs> but, yeah. But every page, now that I've just had a, a bit more of a flick through it, no page is the same. Like you're not going to get nine or 12 or eight 
pages, yeah. uh, um, standard pages, like, uh, uh, what is it, frames uh, per page um, as a standard. Yeah. It's, it, it's very dynamic. It changes up on every single page. And I probably, that, yeah. that's what helps to give us the, well, we'll say illusion now, that they're all big panels because yeah. we've got these big ones that are splashing out at us, but yep. then interwoven in between it are these little ones full of um, full of dialogue yeah. and, and what have you. Mm. Yeah. So um, anything else, final thoughts? Should people go out and buy it, read it, go read uh, it again? Of course. Of course. Oh, uh, it has to be <laughs> one of the best issues. Another thing that I thought was kind of funny was on uh, page 63. It, was, it wasn't funny, but it was a nice little nod where you've got the uh, Spanish word for the phantom as well. Um, oh, I, I, did tells me, yeah, I, I did read that, that yeah. In masquerado. Um, so, yeah, so that's just... I'm, I'm not sure if you can see it there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's just, that's just a nice little nod. Oh, no, I see what you're saying. There was a... At one point, one of the women calls him El Fantasma, and then you're right. Then there's all those. Also, then the hombre en mascarado, um, which I'm sure we've both now butchered the uh, the pronunciation of. <laughs> but no, it, it, those those sorts of little nods are good, and you can certainly tell that Pide is a um, a huge fan because he does bring in um, those sorts of little nods and tropes and that sort of thing um, yeah, into into his stories. It's a nice touch, especially because it's in South America. Uh, Rafael Dantel's is from Brazil. It's a not, in my opinion, it's a nice touch. It's a nice tip of the hat to them, and um, yeah, I like it. It's a nice way of ending it on that one. Okay, next uh, next issue is the Collector's Replica Series number twenty five uh, through eighteen seventy eight, and within these. Covers, we've got The Valley of No Return by Lee Falk and Wilson McCoy. The Chain by Lee Falk and Wilson McCoy. Jungle King by Lee Falk and Wilson McCoy. And Diana Aviatrix Lost Part 2 by Lee Falk and Ray Moore. I'm assuming that you have to read Replica Series number... No, no, you have to read Replica Series number 26, the next issue, to get Part 1 of Diana Aviatrix Lost, would you? I think, I think the only On thing i out of this issue... <laughs> is The Valley of No Return, where you've got the Phantom and the White Explorers and the uh, Nates all wearing masks, which is rather ironic and unique uh, for 2020. Um, I don't really think there's much more to say about this issue. Well, they're doing wearing masks. Yes, they're wearing masks. Yep. Yep, and uh, it's it's a surprise in a sense that we haven't seen a lot more Phantom memes on the internet using those panels. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for instance, here, here's a good page. I think that's probably, yeah, it, it's kind of funny. I've seen a couple from this story. Um, can you put it back uh, up again? I've just made the screen bigger so I can see. So, if you go to page 24 yeah, and 24. 20... <laughs> Steve. Hey, mine's still in its wrapper. I can't, I can't open mine up. I want to see what yours. <laughs> Yeah, if, if you were on page 24 and 25, Steve, there's quite a lot of, uh, oh, I of see. phantom in mask <laughs> type imagery. So, yeah, um, yeah it, 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 it is topical in that sense. Look, I would say that um, these yeah, are all classic stories. We've got this panel here where the phantom's wearing a mask and he's shooting people. So I'm sure we can make a meme out of that where the phantom is telling you if you're not masked, he is going to shoot at you and scare you away back to your home. To be isolated. 
Um, look, I, I would say about this uh, collector series, and, and straight up, I haven't read it because I was struggling to get the others read, to be honest, but they're all classic stories. And if you haven't read them before, definitely pick up this comic and, and read those stories um, because these are the sorts of stories that I cut my teeth on. I know, Jim, you were a little bit later and, and got more of the Scandinavian influence, but you would have seen these before, yeah. which is why we want to skip over them because we've all read them to death. But we are Phantom fans of 20-plus years. Um, if you're a Phantom fan of five years or less and you haven't read these before, you definitely yeah. want to read these because and these are the reason why the Phantom, who yeah. is who he is. And that's the reason why these replica stories continually get published. It's not yes. for the old crusty old fans like you and me. It's for the younger ones who have not read these stories yet. Like The Valley of No Return is a, a typical Lee Falk and Wilson McCoy story. It is the, you know, if it is kind of like one of those stories that if you had to describe that whole era in one story, this is one of the type of stories you would you would you would bring out. The chain, Greg, yeah, would be. The chain is iconic for the Phantom Law. Uh, yep. What's interesting is we've actually written an interesting article about that. That this is actually the only time that the chain has actually been mentioned in a newspaper story, um, and it's such an iconic piece of Phantom Law, so to speak. Well, it, um, it, it also might, gives the Phantom's mother name for the only time? Uh, no, there was a couple of other times, I think. Or well, maybe not the only time, but certainly the first time. Yeah, it might have been the first time, but one of the one of the few times I, I don't know that one off the top of my head, so I'll uh, gloss over that fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, Barry, Barry Stubblesfield says it is in the message, so I'll trust him. <laughs> well... I have proven Barry Stubbersfield wrong on a occasion, <laughs> even though he hasn't quite admitted that one yet. Um, uh, that's, that's another story. But, um, yeah, it's because I think in the childhood of the Phantom, he was mentioned, uh, her name was mentioned in one of the uh, two versions. And I have to absolutely agree with you, fellas, because I, I hadn't opened the book, as you saw, it was still in the, in the cover. Um, but as soon as I saw the chain on the run, she thought, oh, I should have read that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But moving on to something new, 1879, uh, the Dolphin Mystery, also called the Marineland Drug Menace. And when I say new, it's new for us, but Scandinavia got to read it uh, about 30 years ago, 1991. And so did the UK. Did they? Oh, they did too in the, um, in the wolf issue number one. Yeah. With that iconic shark cover, which we get a bit of a thing on the, uh, on the back cover. Mm. I've just, got, just found out there's a little bit of glue or something sitting on my... I won't get rid of that. <laughs> I, I really like this story. I enjoyed it when I first read it in the UK story. Um, yep. uh, the cover, I think, is actually really great. Um, a little bit interesting that it didn't get censored. Um, Why would it get censored? Oh, because it's got a girl in a bikini. Um, there's been examples of stuff like that being censored before. Um, I haven't been to a pool. <laughs> I enjoy the story. It's fun. Um, I have to ask: Is there another way of testing if something's cocaine without tasting it? No, if you watch movies. Not in my experience. And like, I wonder. You know, I don't know, but like, you see it in the movies. The Phantom does it here as well, where he puts his finger in. And paste it, and I, yeah, I, I don't know. It just makes me wonder 
surely there's another way. Um, well, there probably is now. Like, this was written in 1991, so we're, we're talking almost 30 years ago, which is probably those same movies that you're talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they've come up with something since. The artwork's great. Uh, it works well in colour. It works well in black and white. Um, you know, the the bad, the bad person turns out to be someone not as some people might have expected. Uh, this is the panel here where you've got the shark trying to eat um, the phantom. I must admit, that that drawing there of the shark, that used to be one of my go-to drawing pieces when I was a kid was was that cover of the shark rising out. And um, it's it's so iconic. Even though that does not appear in the story at all, it is such an iconic drawing uh, drawn by, um, my, by Mike Higgs. I'll try and bring up the cover of the, uh, the UK edition. I'm not sure if you can see that or not. But, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. It's a fun story. You know how we're talking about the outlaws where it's a fun story? It's... It's a type of story that a that a an eight ten year old will enjoy to a eighty year old will enjoy, and everyone in between. That's how I would describe that type of story. Yeah. Oh, look, I um many times on the record is not really appreciating um the Egmont and the Scandinavian stuff as some as 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 much as some others, but um. As far as um, stories by Clays from Earthy go, and, and he's written this under the uh, pseudonym Michael Tierras, but it was before he, he, he was owning stories under his own name. Um, and then with the art by Fel Mang, this is, this is the sort of Scandinavian story that I do really enjoy. And I hadn't um, read the, the colour version of it before. I don't have a wolf, number one, so I haven't read this story before. And um, I really enjoyed the way that um, Ramethi took um the dolphins which are some uh, bizarre sort of characters really to have in the, the <laughs> phantoms world and the, and the um, solomon and nefertiti is part of um Falk's experimental stage in the late 60s early 70s um where he was just coming up with all sorts of things um and for experimented on you reckon <laughs> <laughs> maybe he was tasting cocaine who knows <laughs> But, um, but no, I, I think the way that um, they've taken that idea and gone, well, how can, we, how can we, it was almost, how can we get the dolphins into a story? And they've done it in a way that um, builds on the phantom, the idea of the phantom as being this master animal trainer, which, um, which he apparently is, and, um, uh, and then fits it into a story that's, you know, as we've sort of said, right from the, the era of the 90s about um, drug cartels and, ways that um the drugs might be smuggled and and there's an unexpected villain as you say and um and Felmang again you know i sort of said this about barry, barry before but Felmang in this era is sort of is, is many ways at the peak of his powers and it's uh, some some really beautiful artwork that he's delivered here too yeah it really yes. is and it yeah and definitely a private like when um i was reading stories of the 90s this is the type of story that that hooked you in yeah um it, it's good. It's fun. Um, Phantom's good. He beats the bad guys, of course. The bad, that's an ingenious way to, to, that the bad guys have, have um, figured out to, to smuggle their drugs mm. in. Um, and yeah, and it's, well, yeah, well, well, that's a good way to bring the dolphins in. Um, but and dolphins, they really are intelligent creatures. Within days of um, being brought into captivity, they can train humans to stand on the edge of a tank and feed them fish. 
They're incredibly intelligent. <laughs> um, two two quick things. Uh, I should have that two days ago. <laughs> I thought it was too topical for that. <laughs> yeah. Very well done, Stephen. Um, two quick things. This was actually penciled by Ferry. Uh, who celebrated his birthday a couple of days ago. So a huge uh, shout-out to Ferry. Um, he's kind of like the type of – he's the one of the artists that kind of moulded filming, so to speak. Yeah. So, so, you know, a lot of fans are like, you know, filming. He's kind of like one of the artists that helped helped shape what we love about filming as well. And then another thing on um, Alan – in the message from the um, uh, publisher. He uh, read that message with the publisher and you might have a bit of a clue about what our next podcast is. Ah, oh, yes. I'll yes. That. yes, that's right. Uh, we'll just leave that one there. But, uh, just a little mm. bit of a nugget. The, um, the, and, and that's a good nugget. The last thing that I'd bring up from this issue, and this will cut into the news a little bit, I know, but um, it seems like a good time to bring it up, and that's the, the back cover um, the tribute to Cesar Spadari, um, the legendary Phantom artist who passed away since we've recorded our last comics and news. Um, a really touching tribute from um, Antonio Lemos in the in the back cover there. And um, I know that, um, and we know that Antonio was particularly touched by um, or, or, or blown away by Spadari's death and, and really affected by that. Um, because they had worked so closely together, and you've only got to read that uh, that tribute to um, appreciate what Antonio thought. And um, if you have a go, you go back and have a look at Spadari's artwork and think of the stories that he's been involved in. Um, he's he's one of those phantom artists from Egmont again. Who is the exposure that uh, we've we've had to him? Um, so glad that Egmont picked him up as an artist and um, and brought his art to us because it was just so so spectacular and um, um, sad to see sad to see a, another classic phantom artist pass away. Mm. And he's one of the ones that we all grew up on in the you know in the late eighties, nineties, and early two thousands and stuff. So yeah, um, valet. Um, a huge shout out to the family, Antonio Lemus and uh, the, all the, his other friends, um, David Muller, who uh, was one of his assistants, and also um, oh, uh, Okra as well, who's uh, another one of his assistants who um, was a close friend to Cesar Spadera as well. So, oh. yeah, our thoughts are with you. Um, I like stories like this. I like comics like this. It's fun. Um you know, we, we can we can have our heavier stories, which, you know, the ones coming up next are a little bit heavier, but these are nice, fun stories to scatter in amongst the, 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 the deeper, darker stories. And so, um, yeah, uh, good choice for in publishing that one. Hmm. Well done. So our next two issues, um, kind of like, might do it as a whole. We'll see how, we, how the discussion goes. But both uh, 1880 and 1881, um, have two stories within them, and both stories um, are continued on in the next issue. So uh, they are The Coming Storm in 1880 and The Coming Storm Part 2 in 1881. So we've got The Raven Part 1 um, and The Raven Part 2 in, um, in the two different issues. Um, both of those are written by Andrew Constant and drawn or illustrated by Ivan Rodriguez. And Andrew Constant gets another uh, Guernsey 
Caspian, he writes the second story for both issues as well, um, which are Phantom Crusader um, uh, issue uh, stories. The first one being War Wounds and the second one being Welcome Home Part 1. How, how are we going to get through these ones, fellas? Are we going to go through issue by issue or story by story? Story by story, story. I reckon. Story Sorry. by story. It's unanimous. So uh, if you're listening to this and you want issue by issue, well, too bad. Tough luck. <laughs> so we're going to go with the Raven first. Now, um, covers. Oh, covers. Well, covers have done that. The, that, the, the first one, uh, 1880, that I really, really like that cover. The dark. Darkness, the the mysteriousness, the um, the glare that comes off the moon. It, it's it's superb. It's it is really really an awesome cover. Um, who's the cover artist? Uh, it's Rodriguez. Well. Wow. knocked it out of the park. And then the colorist is a Nigerian by the name of prepare for butchering of his name. I am sorry, Torello Pablo. Um. I, I like the colorist. The thing that, again, I said it before with Free, is that they're getting a nice collection of artists where I think the beauty is, is that they're able to, with same as artists and now even colorists and even writers, is that they're now able to match the style to an artist. So the. Getting a big enough stable that they yeah. know who to match up. Yeah, the, the colorist in this did a brilliant job in getting that dark, gritty, grimy, old, ingly feel. And then if you look at something like the back cover, where that's a total different um, style of coloring compared to something like that where you've got the glare. It's almost gas-like-ish. you got a big sword with a big gleam on it or the moon, as you may mention there on the, on the um, 1880. So I think it's good to see a nice variety and this colorist has done a good job in that field. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what else he can do with the artist, with the, with the colorist on that one. Mm. Yeah. Now, I've been enjoying... Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. Oh, just just um, in terms of the stable, it's fair to say that um, this would be the first Nigerian who has had work published in a, in a fruit comic and perhaps a phantom comic full stop. So... Um, so certainly through are not afraid to go around the world and just pick the people that they think are the best for the job, not people who are necessarily well-established in the industry or um, all the rest of it. They, um, I really like that, um, that they're uh, looking for, and, and I'd be fascinated to know the backstory of how they even became aware of um, Torella. Um, Torella Pablo to, to become a colorist and um, I think he's done and, and I'm with you Steve I think 1880 in particular is uh, is a really stunning color a uh, cover and a lot of it is because of the way it's been colored absolutely um, and what and what I've been really enjoying um, from through over these past few years uh, it was the giant size that was a surprise packet for me and reading these other stories about these other characters. And the Raven was one of my favourites. And so to see him coming... And also in the... Um, uh, in the... What's it called? Spectre? No, was it Spectre? The it's Shane Foley's... Scorpius. Scorpius, sorry. Um, um, Shane Foley's uh, stories that he's been doing was, had that uh, teaming up at, um, element to it. So... I was really keen to, to read this with, with the Phantom and, and Raven doing their stuff. Um, 
and I wasn't let down. I really enjoyed the story yeah. um, as a whole. Now, with a name like The Raven, anyone who's familiar with um, famous authors may know of a fellow called Edgar Allan Poe. And there's or, a number or Simpsons of... Halloween episodes is all you've got to be aware uh, Yes, yeah, Simpsons <laughs> Halloween episode. That's right. Um, so there's, then there's a, through call, a, a, a few sorry, a few callbacks um, to Poe's work, uh, being the Raven um, in particular, um, especially right at the end where the, where the Raven uh, cries nevermore. But I think there was also a pun. I think it was in the second part. Um, I think, oh, what, did, what did I found? So something was totally done or a poor yes. choice of words or something like yes. that. Um, so there, nice little pun there. Good on you, Andrew. <laughs> Um, yes, um, I'm just wondering um, if people who may not be familiar with that work would have been able to get those um, jokes. Oh, yeah, there's the panel there where it says, I'm not sure if you can read that. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you might be able to read that, but it's on the page of uh, 23. It's oh, the page of, it's, yeah, it seemed it seemed a very po-pet indeed. Um, there's, yeah. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> That's all right. Um, no, I think that um, it's one of those um, Easter eggs, I suppose, if you're aware of it, um, then you get more out of it. Um, if you don't, then it's not going to detract. Um, yeah. So it's, it's well done. And, and I think that... Um, I, I might have been a bit glib when I talked about the Simpsons there before, but I think that Simpsons episode has very much put um, Nevermore and the Raven into the popular consciousness. So most well, people, I would think. I first heard it. First Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should actually, I've got a collection of Edgar Allan Poe's work. I should have brought that down for the podcast. Did you see that um, Andrew Constance has, uh, he showed a, a thing on his socials the other day where he's actually got a, uh, a um, Raven, Tattoo on yes. his Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I like it. A uh, Andrew Constance, he, he's, a, he's a deep thinker. Uh, there's always a lot of thought in his writing. Um, and in this, I really liked it. Um, I thought the story was good. I thought, again, the artist matched the story. Uh, something interesting for those who like a bit of trivia, um, Gary Chalinor was actually um, down to draw this story. But uh, for some uh, undisclosed reasons, he had to pull out. Um, he did do a couple of pages. Uh, they will That will be on our Patreon in one of the future updates as well. So if you're intrigued about that you, uh, and you're a Patreon, you can do it. Um, I just want to talk about the artist. Like thing that I love about this story, again, was the panels. It was very big panels. It was bigger than what we actually talked about before. And it's almost like why I got stretched upon two issues was because the panels were so big. And I love, like, this page here with the rain, um, this one here where, you're, you know, you're looking up at the... Um, Give us some page numbers there, Joe. Uh, page just saying here. On page five where you're, where you're looking up the uh, Raven's crutch and the Phantom's crutch. Um, I've got it open to that page right now. And then page five where you're looking down at, uh, you know, at the captain and the rain that just is so prevalent and it's, um, it's, it's really good. Um, it, it gives a real dreariness of what 
England's like in the winter, although I've never been there, but I can only imagine. Um, so I thought the art was really good. If I was to describe his style, I would describe it as a 2000s Hans Lindell style. If I had to just, that's how I would describe his style is the way he draws the Phantom. There's, there, there is a lot of Hans Lindell. He's not overly too muscular, but he's a very stocky Phantom. Like if you look at this panel here, uh, this is uh, part two. You know, he is a very stocky Phantom. I really like that, that, that opening to part two, where it's got the Phantom and Raven like walking towards camera. They're looking very strong. They've, they've drawn very, very well. I really like that, that, um, that shot. Yeah. And I love, I love the use of the big, the big one pages. Yeah. And I'm going to jump in there because I absolutely agree. The big splash pages were sensational. And I think that we got, for me, I, I almost got a, a jaw drop moment back in my chair going, Oh my God. When in the, in part one, um, issue 1880 on page seven, we got, treated to this splash yeah. page of uh, Raven's Court. Oh, now, yes. the, um, we, we are aware because of the podcast that we've had before with um, Andrew Constant and um, Paul Mason when um, they joked about uh, Andrew writing There's a Thousand Warriors and Paul suddenly had to draw that. I don't think Andrew Constant would have said, and I want, well, maybe he did, I want a, a long shot or a, a full castle shot. But the detail of yeah. this picture, the yeah. brickwork in this entire castle, that's, I can't even imagine how many days that would have taken to draw that oh, one incredible. image. It's, it's absolutely oh, phenomenal. My hand, my hand aches just thinking about it. Oh, it, it's it's and and there's other examples too. Um, and oh, was the way he introduced the heroes in the first part. So on page eleven, the first time you see the Raven is a full page. Yes, and, you know the first time you really see the Phantom is a full page. Yeah, you and know, um, if if I jump. If, if I go into part two now, so this is in issue 1881, uh, page 16. So we've got a, a fight scene there between the Raven and Captain Crow. And that's fantastic. It's a good fight scene. What I'm, um, what I'm picking up is the detail in the treasure trove that is yeah. in the foreground there. There's no need to put that in. He didn't that have is to do that. Isn't it? It's, and that's a lot of work, all of those coins and the skull and all the rest of it, which is, in a sense, completely unnecessary but it just adds so much to the story um, to see that that's what they're fighting over, you know? So um, I, I'm, I'm in awe of Rodriguez for, for the way that he, the attention to detail and the extra work and the extra effort yeah. he's put into this. And part of it, and, and now I'm going to move to um, the writing, I suppose, is that Andrew Constant has left so much room for yeah. the artist to provide that detail because completely the opposite, I guess, of what we were saying about Outlaws is that the dialogue and the, the writing is kept, well, not the writing, the, the dialogue is kept to an absolute minimum. You know, there might be, there might be 30, page, 30 words on a double-page spread, but the artwork tells so much. And obviously that artwork is all at the direction of the writer, um, but Andrew Constant has really left a lot of space for the artist to join in the storytelling. 
Mm. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder. I said before. I wonder if this was originally a single story, and then as they started doing the, you know, the thumbnails and the and the planning and all that, they thought, hang on, hang on, let's go double issue and bring out these one page splash pages. Mm. And if that was the case, kudos to the editors and through, and then also the artists and writers for allowing that to happen because. It's a great outcome. Yeah. Um, and when we're talking about um, the earlier issue, that the outlaws, when there's a lot of dialogue on, on the page, um, I was thinking, oh, make sure I say something about the Andrew one because something I've noticed, especially in this, where it's not, as Dan just said, but also if you think to his Kid Phantom work and remember the story um, uh, was before they got to England and they're fixing up the, the gang and you just see the, the, the panels where, you know, someone's moving their head left, right, up, down, that sort of stuff. And it's just telling the story with, with the pictures rather than having to, to talk all the time. Um, so where uh, Pit A might be heavy-handed with the dialogue, Andrew really dials it back. Um, and I'm not saying that one style is better than the other, but you can see um, the author's different styles in it. And yeah, and we know... We know that Andrew Constant's done a lot of work for American comic books too, and as we've said before, yeah. um, you know that's a different style. So, like, like uh, standing order for his Nightwing that's coming out next next year, <laughs> right? Um, I think we we as free readers are lucky enough to be in that perfect situation where we get um, really good quality examples of both styles rather yeah. than being locked into one. Yeah, if, you're, if you're a fan, if you're a comic fan, you've got to be getting the the. You can't go. I know we're biased because we're fan of fans, but you can't go past what what Fru has been publishing these last couple of years. If you want a variety of different styles yeah. and you want to be introduced to these artists that you might not see anywhere else, pick up a Phantom comic from the last two, three, five years. Don't be put off if it's not in color or if it is in color. Check it out. Check out the writing. Check out the and the check out the artistry that's been happening because it is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, Those absolutely. splash pages just give exclamation points exactly where they need to be done in that yep. story. It's just it it it's how you write a comic and how you yeah. it's how you produce a comic. Yeah, and I, I like where we are at the moment with Fru, where you've got the mixture of everything. You've got the classics. Mm. I could I could argue that the classics could be better. Um, but you've got the classics, you've got the Egmont new, you've got Fruit new, and then you've also got uh, Egmont or Team Phantom in old as well. So it's oh. a great um, mixture at the moment. Um, and it, it, it's, it's a bit of everything for everyone. And in one of the issues, Dudley actually mentions that. I think it was 1881 where he talks about... Um, meeting the wanting, I can't remember exactly, I don't want to, it's not very good podcast, me trying to read it, but basically he's talking about that where he's have, where they want to be able to have that mixture to be able to please the classic uh, reader who's in their 50s and 60s to the to the medium, the middle people, which is probably us who have, who like a bit of everything. And then you've got your newer readers who are going to be a little bit more uh, enthusiastic towards the more modern style, so I think I think it's a it's a definite strategy by Fru, and I think at the moment in the five issues that we've just reviewed, um, I think they've they've done a very good job of that as a collective. So, and, and obviously there's another story we've got to talk about here before we wrap up the whole thing. But um, what are your thoughts? And, and I, I feel like we're right in the middle ground of 
this story, the Raven story, because it's in yeah. a in a style written and drawn in a style that will really uh, I think will really appeal to younger, more modern readers. It's about a character that um, from Australian comics history, the Raven, who was in and out of style before we started reading. So in a sense, um, you know, it's a character from before our time and it's in a style ahead of our time. So, and we like it. Um, but, but, but what are your thoughts generally, I guess, about um, through bringing back, putting the Raven into a, into a story like this? I mean, we've seen them play with the idea a little bit. We talked about Scorpius and um, what's been going on in Giant Size. But, you know, this is the first time that one of those other characters from comics history australian comics history has suddenly had a rebirth in a in a fru in in a, in a phantom story so where are we at on that one well as soon as i saw that it was the raven i was happy because he's been my favorite character out of the um yeah. out of the, out of that new bunch of giant, the giant size like um sir falcon's been good and phantom ranger that's been all right um but every time i really look forward to reading the um the raven stories yeah Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I think overall it's good. Would I like to see it all the time? No, but... Um, oh, no, 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 no. Don't would it all be the time. better if it was in a giant size? Well, Not I think sometimes, but I don't think it's a problem in here, especially no. if there's a... If there's too many stories to fit in a giant size, why not stick it in here? It's two issues. It's enjoyable. Uh, it could be used as a good um, avenue for people to pick up the giant size comic. Uh, you know, nice little cross-platform um, doorway, gateway, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think I think that's good. Um, maybe they should have promoted the giant size a little bit more, a little bit better mm. in these issues. It's like, hey, you like the Raven? Make sure you get these. Read uh, the original. Yeah. yeah. So you know, maybe that could have been it. Uh, maybe we could have had. A article on the Raven from Kevin Patrick in part one or part two. With um, you, you could know. even reprint one from one of the giant yes. sizes, which I'm sure has been um, published, and um, no one who, who's going to notice. And, and those who yeah. do are, are going to understand why. So, yeah. um, for, for, for mine, I think it, it, this does stand up as being um, worth, worthy, you know. Um, appropriate, I suppose, in the regular fandom stories because of the way, and it takes a little while to work it out, but the fandom has been tracking Captain Crow and his bunch of pirates, which has led him to the Raven. And that explains why the Raven and the fandom are teaming up and the fandom's done his research ahead of time. Oh, who's Captain Crow's family? Where's his brother? Where's he headed? Oh, now I get it. Now I understand the Raven. So that makes sense. And, and I think Constance written this really, really well. Um, to, to bring that in. So I think this does stand up as a, as a uh, yeah. appropriate in the Phantom, the main comic series masthead, as opposed to, um, I think, Scorpius. If, that, if Scorpius had been in the main Phantom stories, mm. then it may, have been, it may not have stood up to that sort of scrutiny, whereas introducing it through Giant Size was appropriate there. So. Yeah. Now, fellas, you guys, um, did you ever watch Game of Thrones? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, well, do you reckon that um, as soon as I saw Captain Crow, I thought that's a bit of a, a nod yeah. to Game of Thrones with the with the big black. Um, well, I think it might be feathers here, but kind of looks like a big black coat, like someone from the Night's Watch, who were often referred to as crows in, um, yeah. in Game of Thrones. So as soon as I saw Captain Crow wearing that big 
um, warm cloak. Yeah. I thought, ah, is that a Game of Thrones Easter egg there? Yeah, very well done. Yeah, good good point. It could well be. Yeah. Especially if it's got, yes, Captain Crowther. Ah, bingo. I reckon that's mm. what it is. Um, what about the Phantom Crusader? He's sharing um, the issue with the Phantom and, and Raven. A um, couple of new stories, again by Andrew Constant, uh, this time with art by Jason Paulos. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Jason, uh, the, sorry, the Phantom Crusader, it's uh, Chris... Oh, I better read the read it before I stuff up the name. Christoph uh, Dierant, is that Dierant? correct? Yeah. And um, he's come back from the Crusades, so he's a bit tired and yeah, fighting a war that you know, he ma- makes some mention of it. He, that uh, I don't know if he says it was unjust or uh, uncalled for. He, he mentioned. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, and then he's come back, come back home, and, and things aren't all rosy back home. Um, what do we think of this story, uh, Dan? Um. I like the Phantom Crusader as a story unto itself. Um, however, I don't think it's the Phantom. Um, so in that sense, yeah, it's not my favourite. I, um, I, I, I appreciate the story for what it is, but it's not a Phantom story. So mm-hmm. uh, the Phantom Crusader is uh, an idea that is loosely based on what if the Phantom was in the Crusades and in the Middle Ages um for mine he wasn't and so for me these are not phantom stories just slightly correct that it's actually based off a team phantom end story where uh minervo bros who was the archaeologist at uh, town she actually finds records where the skull ring was actually being used by him and it's the same skull ring and it's and they're all kind of related and so instead of the generation starting in 1936, it comes more towards the you know, Middle Ages and stuff like that. Um, I'm the same. I, I'm not a huge fan. I didn't like those stories, whether you want to call them what-if stories or not. You had the um, Egyptian one. You had the, um, uh, the uh, Crusaders one. The Crusaders one was probably better than the Egyptian one. Um I I didn't like the stories. I find it interesting that they're publishing these. I would mm. rather, I would rather gaslight um, compared to this, um, purely because gaslights still kind of fits, and I'm still comfortable with it being in the Phantom universe where the Phantom Crusader. I, I it, you know I'm I'm very much like you, Dan, where it's it's. It's it's more what if, what I wonder is whether Fru have to get permission from uh, King Features for these stories. Whether well, I, I, I can't really see that they would because again, it's and, and I say this in the full knowledge that um, um, oh, look, I look, I really like Jason's artwork. And, um, and it's certainly no criticism. We published a, a Phantom Crusader picture as part of our bushfire book, you know. So there's, there's certainly links to the Phantom with the, the skull motif and the, the belt and I think he wears it on his shoulders. But um, other than that, like, the only, the only way that this Phantom Crusader guy wears a mask is to put the helmet on, but you can still see his eyes through it. Um, it it's, 
there's very little there's very few elements of phantom law in the phantom crusader and the if you know if if superman if there was a version of superman that didn't get affected by kryptonite and also wore a green and purple tights and didn't have a cape and was known as didn't have the s he had a p on his shirt then that's not superman you know so this isn't this isn't the phantom Ah, that was, sorry, that was sorry. a really terribly drawn out analogy, but you know what I'm saying. You got there in the end, though. <laughs> uh, something, something ironic when you did the P on the chest. Um, yeah, of course. So it was the first letter um, I thought of. <laughs> yeah, no, just something, something a little bit funny about that is there's actually uh, a couple of Indonesian comics where they draw the phantom with a P on yep. his chest. Well, there's so, nothing uh, funny about having a P on your chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, just, <laughs> I just thought that. Um, I just thought that that's quite funny. Um, Stephen, so what do you think? Uh, is it a, a yay or a nay for you? Well, look, forgetting that, that if it wasn't in the, or if you forget about the Phantom, if you can, yeah. in a Phantom podcast, yeah. and you just saw it as a standalone story, yeah. would it be a good story? Yes. Yes. Right. And that's yeah. why I look at it. I think it's yeah. a good story. I like the writing. Once again, I like the the art. Um, it's a kind of like is. I was under the impression that this fellow was some sort of um, further back relation of the of the Walkers. Yes, yes, yeah. that's correct. Yeah, so they're they're trying to tie it in that way. And look, I can take it. I don't mind these as as fillers. Um, I wouldn't want, probably not a full issue, but yeah, like, you know, mm. the eight pages at, at the end of stories, I, I didn't mind. Um, and, but yeah, and it's an own little universe rather than trying to tie in too much with Phantom Law. Trying, mm. yeah, it, it's, it's his own character. Phantom Crusade is his own character. He's not the Phantom, but he does have some loose ties to the Phantom. Yeah. What's actually interesting on page part one in 1881, uh, you see the guy starting to take off his helmet. That helmet that he is wearing is very, very similar as the um, Egyptian style. Okay, fabric. so we're going to have to... I thought there might be something there with, with that helmet, but I wasn't sure what, what yeah, it was. Yeah, so I can't remember the issues at the top of my head. Um, pretty poor of me, I know. Um, Incredible, but... I don't know why we keep you around. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's my birthday, mate. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that... I, and I'm not sure if it does, but when I see that and then I'm thinking of the Egyptian-style phantom, there's a lot of similarities there. So I'm not sure if they are related at all, but, um, yeah. It's, time will tell. Yeah, time will tell. Uh, we only have to wait another month. Um, I think the next I think the next part comes out uh, early January. Um, I think it's a good point, mate, uh, Stephen. As a standalone story, it's enjoyable. Is it our phantom? Well, to a lot of people, probably not. Uh, to some people, uh, maybe. And then others are probably just going to enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, so award season's been happening in the comics world. Um, I saw on Facebook, and I made sure I congratulated this fellow, but well done to Dr. Paul Mason on what was it a bronze ledger award if i remember correctly mm. um i'm not sure on the other one um i'm guessing it's glenn lubston of course but i'm not sure on this award can um someone tell me a bit more about this so the so the 
last couple of weeks we've seen uh, the the comic book um, awards going around for for the year that was 2020. Um, the Stanley Award um, for comic book artist was won by Glenn Lumsden, and uh, Paul Mason was actually uh, nominated for that as well. Um, but um, the Stanley went to Glenn Lumsden, um, particularly for his work on Death Dive, which appeared in, in uh, Phantom Giant Size. Um, and then today, uh, today, yesterday, today, we found out that uh, Paul Mason had won a Bronze Ledger Award for, but particularly for his work on um, It Tolls for Thee, the Phantom of Vietnam story from the, um, the war um, themed annual. So um, I, I just think it's a fantastic. Um, and I guess it's, it speaks to through commissioning Australian artists that now two of the artists who um, have worked on stories that are through commissioned and published in 2020 have now won public recognition from their peers um, for, for those stories. And I just think that's a, a wonderful tribute to both the Glenn and to Paul, but also to Fru for the work that they're doing in commissioning um, Australian artists. Absolutely. Yeah. Now let's get this, let's get another part of this panel uh, in Vietnam now. Yeah. Yes. Here, yeah. here. Um, I think what what was good is we talked before about getting artists from and creators from around the world. While that's true, Fru have also, which was a criticism of Fru for probably you know fifteen years, twenty yeah, years yeah. before that, was that they are actually getting. Australian artists, established artists like Paul Mason, Glenn Lumsden and Gary Challenor. And Jason Palos we've talked about. Palos and, and stuff like that. But then they're getting the young guns like uh, Jamie Johnson, Val McCanty, um, uh, you know, Jamie McPherson, uh, Grange Wallace, um, uh, Picky and, uh, you know, Carmen D. Pentrio, you know, some of these up-and-coming young artists as well. So they're, they're, while they are getting far and wide for creators. They're also looking in their backyard. Um, yes, yes. And, you know, if you if you see some of the comments from some of the other creators, uh, comic creators from around Australia, um, they are enjoying what Fru are doing because they are looking after the, the local talent as well. So um, it, it's, it's good to see, you know, it's another tick in Fru's, in Fru's um, corner or box or whatever you want to. Yeah. Very good. And so we got the, the award seasons that's happening out, out there in the in the wider world. But annually the Chronicle Chamber we hold our um best of um survey. Um uh, with categories such as best cover, best story, best art, um all yeah. those sort of uh, uh, usual things. Um so that will be coming out very soon, the best of twenty twenty survey. Um 2020 is not a, a year that most of us want to look back on um, too closely, but in the world of Phantom comic books, I think um, there have been plenty of highlights. So watch out for the best of 2020 survey coming out soon. I'll be, um, I'll be very interested to see where Jermaine ends up rating 1877 because he's already in this podcast said that the Outlaws and the uh, Lucy Carey story make it one of his issues of the year. Germ, do you see yourself actually voting for it in your top three, do you think? And, and a question without notice, and you don't have the full list in front of you, which um, <laughs> obviously our, our readers or listeners and viewers will have by the time that... Um, and just to be clear, the Best of 2020 survey will be published um, and, and um, made available for people 
almost immediately as soon as we know what the uh, the cover for the Christmas um, album, the last uh, Christmas issue, the last issue for the year is. So keep an eye out for that. But yeah, do you think Outlaws is going to be in your um, uh, best issues, Jim? I reckon. It will, it will probably be in my top three, maybe top five uh, best issues of the year. Um, oh, so you've already docked it down. 15 minutes ago, you were crying about it, saying it was the issue of the well, year. I'm being being conservative. I said it was one of my favourites. You know, just remember that there there were some issues that were released back in January and February. Um, January and and February were last decade, mate. They don't count as being 2020. (laughs) um, There was a very good bushfire support book. Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to say that. Can we vote for our own book as the best issue? <laughs> Maybe we can, but our listeners can. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, so that will be out. The Christmas issue comes out on the 17th of December. Uh, probably the, um, you know, the the cover will probably be out, you know, probably a week before then. So um, Dan's got some um, work to do. Yeah, so look, look at look for your, look at the socials for that week before Christmas, and uh, you'll see the uh, the survey link come out. Yes, and we'll give it a good old plug. And there will be a competition, whether it's a free crew badge, like the last couple of years, or that doesn't work, you might have to get one of these. Oh, what's that you're holding up to the camera for those people who are listening with the gym? Well, if you're listening, you should be watching us also on YouTube. And uh, if you listen to us a little bit longer, we'll explain that a little bit more. But that's just a little uh, a little hint. I'm really excited about the next month with Chronicle Chambers. So I've, I've dropped so many hints already that uh, I'm sure my colleagues just go, not now, not now, not now. <laughs> He's dropping too many nuggets. We've got the, all this wonderful stuff prepared for you that we've already done. It's already in the can. Just got to yeah. wait to release it to you. Yes, yes, but we'll move on. Eh? So that's it's sitting on a gold mine. <laughs> that's all of the fruit issues. Um, so what we're going to do is um, uh, we got some special reviews from some uh, friends. We got uh, Ankit Mitra, who's going to be doing Regal Publishers issues three and four, uh, and then we've also got Mikel, which is going to be uh, Phantom Man 21, 20, tw- issue twenty one. Issue 22, 23, issue 24, and issue 25, 26. Hello, and welcome to another Chronicle Chamber book review. I'm Ankit, and today I'll be reviewing the Regal Comics Phantom issues 3 and 4. Firstly, if you want to know more about Regal Comics and their new venture of publishing Phantom in English in India in full color, you can check out my review for issues 1 and 2 which is uh, there on the website for Chronicle Chamber as well as a YouTube video sometime back, about a month, a couple of months or so. Anyway, first of all, let's get on to with issues C and 4. First of all, I would just like to say that I am very, very happy with uh, these two new issues. And the reason is that the quality just feels like two, three steps up from what it was in issues 1 and 2. So yeah, the uh, the new thing about these two issues, if you buy directly from Regal, that is, you get supplements. Basically, a card and a bookmark from each issue. Now, these cards and bookmarks basically have the same art as issues 1 and 2, which is by Mr. Vincent Moses Raja. And they are printed on very nice gloss 
high card style paper hard anyway coming back to the issues firstly we'll come with issue 3 now issue 3 has stories the iron python and the prince rex conspiracy both stories written by uh, tony DePaul, and they are illustrated by graham nolan graham nolan as i have spoken about in the f uh, previous issues one and two uh, it was an erstwhile and a legend of uh, batman comics uh, co-creator of bane and the cover here is done by Indian artist Abhilash Chako. Now his art is uh, from basically from the story itself. So, like uh, for example, the components of this art, were, this cover art, like this zombie man here, is basically from this panel itself, as well as the train is a mirror image from the train here, and the phantom here is basically from this panel here itself. So yeah. So it makes context with the story and basically gives you a fair, a fair overview of what it is. So yeah, great. Uh, unlike the previous issues, two covers which had nothing to do with the story or anything like that, I think uh, something like this is uh, much more relevant. And it's a great job. Uh, next thing I would like to point out mainly is that Regal have really stepped up their quality with this. The print is absolutely great and it's really really the color separation is good and it completely completely does justice to what the sundays were when they were released it the colors are absolutely like what it was there was there is and and, and most importantly it's the paper quality i would say the paper quality is even better if that is even possible so they've really amped up the quality over here that's what i have to say just to give you an example i have uh the graham nolan sundays volume 2 by moonstone now you know these are very expensive books in comparison and the and it has this story as called the ghost train it is basically the same story the iron python is just named differently and if you see it it's on panels here you can see that the quality is pretty much the same and over here they have definitely worked on it because it's a much more expensive book and compilation and they've kept it really well so for regal for like a 120 rupees which is hardly like a, maybe just a dollar or a couple of them it's just really good i'm really stoked about this this is some great stuff so yeah that's issue three and i really want to talk about this one issue four this is by far my favorite favorite phantom in english magazine format publication and i have read a lot of through as well as some phantom and that i have collected over time and this is really the epitome of it now this story now this book sorry has stories by tony DePaul and has this uh, and plutonium pirates and jungle lesson are the two sundays that have been reprinted here and the artwork here is by paul ryan now i got to know about paul ryan uh, from his work on gotham knights or uh, batman uh, spin-off kind of uh, publication of the mid 2000s and his work over here is especially excellent with the colors that king features did and the colors here are much more modern they are digital sure but they are so well done and it's been reprinted and the 
integrity is fantastic like for example i can tell you like these are shots in the night time there there is a certain muted quality to it and when it's day it has that brightness so there is a fantastic way of illumination and uh, even in a page like say a panel like this yeah like here the jungle scene over here if you see it the way the color separation is done on each of them the gradients how it all you know phases in with each other it's just it's just brilliant the print quality i have to say and over here this is another one look how the flames give a certain kind of illumination and, and all of that is captured perfectly in this book and i'm just stoked with it another thing i must point out is the cover art for this book this is one of my favorite covers of any phantom released in india any book of phantom released in india and it's an original cover by mr luca erbeta now i know he's done phantom work for other publications and mainly few or uh, mainly sorry fru and he's been or featured on a podcast with chronicle chamber you can go check that out on a youtube video sometime back and this is exactly what i have been talking about what should be like the standard for any cover and just to illustrate the fact i have this fruit trade paperback issue 2 which is again a uh, this this cover is by mr freddy williams the third if i'm not mistaken yeah and this is also digital colored and it has that certain gradient this is what i was talking about in my last time when i was talking about how the first two issues cover art one to my liking the way the sunlight and all of it the illumination the colors the back you know and this is a morning scene in a sunday and he still managed to keep the grit and everything alive it's a great great cover and i really love this cover work another thing i would like to point out is which is which which i found little strange is devil here is white now i don't know why because devil has always been colored black but for some reason he chose to go with this color and that that's his unique way i guess so yeah great issue and they have actually uh, from the previous issues if i com- compare if I'm, i'm not sure if i'm right but the paper stock is definitely little bit better for sure if it could be possible because the paper stock was pretty good in the first couple of issues and the paper does a uh, you know the paper is very important also to bring the colors out like for example i have a fru 80th anniversary and they have colors here now the colors get very muted also based on the kind of paper you're using now this paper is much thinner standard magazine almost newsprint like whereas this paper is much much thicker which gives you that vibrancy and makes the colors really pop so yeah issues 3 and 4 but uh, i have a little bit of a um, thing to say about uh, the situation here now regal comics has been not getting the kind of distribution and you know sales because of it 
because of the lockdown and the covid situation the indian reading habit is still based on newsstands and you know local bookstores or not really bookstores more like new you know the local roadside book and magazine stalls but those are mainly closed and with the pandemic and all the whole distribution system for them is kind of haywire and they are completely dependent on direct orders and irrespective how it feels we are still not that social media or net savvy as such to you know be aware so there may be many fans in many you know remote places who have no idea about regal and these things coming out who would probably love to get into it and it's just been a little difficult for them the good thing is fru has been uh, supposedly in reached an ag- agreement with regal to distribute some of their books and i really wish uh, that happens and it it should happen i guess and so the foreign fans can really get this and issue 3 and 4 yeah they should definitely look out for this this is some great stuff and uh, regal have started as far as i know or are maybe going to start some amazon um, sales via amazon.in so any fans from india who want to get their comics from amazon can probably order it directly from regal via them and i would really hate for regal to you know shut this venture down prematurely it's just unfortunate that they it had to come out in the year 2020 and we all know how it is so yeah guys uh, great issues go pick them up and happy phantoming phantom and legend is this year's soft cover book uh, it's to celebrate the comic book in sweden for 70 years and finland ha- had its own uh, but there they're celebrating 80 years of the comic book strip so same content but they're celebrating different things and i mean this it feels more made for sweden since it's uh, this cover uh, that is a uh, a remake of the first issue i only have the facsimile here and uh, it's actually been redone earlier by salvaluto in 2011 so who did it best Uh, I would probably go with the new one. Uh, that is Luca Arbata made that cover, and uh, I must say the quality of these strips. Um, they actually like the selling point was uh, they have rescanned all the stories with better qualities, and I must say the the strips actually looks really nice. In my opinion. and uh i love that and i also love that the glue is working so not all the pages are falling out like last year's uh, soft cover book it contains five stories and some great articles written by andreas eriksson and it's all in black and white first off it's uh, repfolket or the rope people by lee folk and wilson mccoy here's a uh, article by Andreas. This might be my favorite McCoy story. It's smart and fun and it's the current phantom and he has to redo the great deeds that his grandfather did to prove that he's the same man, the phantom. And it's it's 
funny and smart and yeah, I like it. Second part, second story is uh, Devil's Hemd in uh, Swedish. It's called uh, Tale of Devil by Lee Falk and Wilson McCoy. It's also a good story uh, and it's almost two stories in one. First it's about this ruthless prince that forces animals to fight for his amusement. But then it goes over to a redemption story where the evil man changes his way because of his encounter with the phantom. Uh, so he goes from being this very bad person to get his act together. Then we're, we're done with the McCoy era and we go into the Cyberi with the Epidemic, Oxgudens Mysterium. Uh, the introduction of Lomanda Loaga is an early, and, uh, an early Cyberi daily. I really enjoy these early Barry stories uh, because, I mean, they are great uh, with the everything basically, like the storytelling and the art. And this is a great uh, story to go to uh, the next story that is the mysterious ambassador or Krieg i Jungen. That is uh, when. Uh, I mean, I mentioned this story in the Chronicle Chamber article written last year about the presidency in Bengala. And this is a very important story when we're getting a president for the first time, the country is getting independent. It's a must read for anyone who hasn't already. And lastly, there is a newly produced story for the first time in this softcover books as I can recollect. And uh, it's the first uh, ever published story written by Jakob Habink. Uh, and the art is done by Janus Orden. And uh, it's, it's a short story, basically only five pages long. And it's part of the Phantom World uh, so, uh, side stories that were going in the uh, comic book earlier. It's about Kit in the Himalayas. And spoiler alert, skip 10 seconds to miss it. So it features this uh, snow leopard that Kit feeds to get uh, past regularly. And I hope that this, uh, this leopard might grow fond of him. And in the future, maybe that would be his uh, kind of uh, animal companion. That would be nice. All in all... Great book. My only comp uh, complaint is that I enjoy um, to read the Phantom in color. And this is of course in black and white. But that is uh, everyone. It seems like a big divider in the Phantom community. Next up is the Christmas album uh, covered by Henrik Sahlström. Uh, if you listen to my review Last year of the Christmas album, you may remember that I ranted a lot. Oh, let's see, I have it here. Uh, because it had this uh, uh, part one and two of of this... I uh, don't remember what they were calling, but you know, the, the Temple of the Gods. And I, I was ranting, but they, at least someone listened or had a change of heart because there's no more two parts of a six-part arc 
and I like this much better. Start off with a story called The Crime Apprentices by Tony DePaul and Paul Ryan. And uh, it's a nice story about an old convict that wants the Phantom to save his kids from making the same mistakes as he did. Uh, but uh, I mean, I like that it's a bit more modern than the usual stories. Uh, but uh, who knew that? Let's see if I can find it here. That the phantom could hack someone else's computer. I did not uh, believe that would happen before this. And then there's this next story called... Let's take all the Phantom's World stories afterwards. Uh, the Lost Catacombs. And this is the story about some people getting caught with a suitcase full of human bones outside of the presidential palace. Why do they have them and for what purpose? Yeah, I won't spoil it, but uh, an enjoyable story. And then there's three of these Phantom's World stories. All of them have been uh, published in uh, in the comic book earlier. Uh, but uh, all is written by Alan Sonne. Uh, it's Drakenskat with art by Veg Blidlöv. And it's Stolen Last, Stolen Cargo by... Kim V. Anderson and Primitive Alive, Primitive Life, and that's also uh, art by Alan Sonne. Uh, yeah, as I said, all good, but previously published. So not like last year, where the good part actually was to get uh, unpublished uh, mini story. But yeah, and then we go to the taxi mill. This time it's the the Christmas album of 1970. I love that we're getting this, by the way. And now we're actually getting full colored earlier albums before 1970s was, as you might remember, only this black and red. So this is a step up, in my opinion. But how do the stories add up? Oh, let's start with the cover. It's by Rolf Go. Uh, yeah, it's it's a cover. It's okay. Uh, so, it's two Fratellas Spada stories that are soon together uh, a bit, but it's quite easy to see where one ends and the other one starts. It starts with uh, Venus of the Jungle, Danjana Hexan, uh, by unknown Fratellas Spada creator and Angela, Angelo Todaro. The Phantom returns to the jungle after a month in Europe, and all of the jungle inhabitants have been possessed by a beautiful witch that are residing in the jungle. It's an okay story. I really enjoyed uh, one part where the phantom uh, hurts his foot and cannot return to the skull cave or seek refuge in any of the villages because, I mean, all the jungle residents are under the witch's spell and are after him. So I would love it if they would have made that the main part of the story and fleshed it out, but now it was just over very quickly and the second part like it ends and uh, let's see yeah I mean it ends with them talking and then next this is basically how they soon it uh, connected it to the last story saying at the same time somewhere else this happens uh, Von Berger's last uh, sister safari a strange hunter 
also by an unknown Fratella Spada creator and Lamberto Lombardi. This is a story of an old hunter that seems to have been hunting most of his life and it's a bit tired of it. But when he meets the phantom he gets obsessed by hunting and killing the phantom. Uh, meets him here, yeah. And I enjoy the part. Again, like the the first story, I enjoy the part where the phantom when where the phantom is hunted and uh, that would be like really good to have that a lot but that's quite short the build-up is very long but yeah maybe I am just more action oriented than when this was created we have some uh, fresh phantom and comic books so from 21 to the last issue of 2020 Starting with number 21, it has a cover by Luca Arbata, uh, and it's uh, one of these uh, redone covers, past issue. This is how it looked in 2004. It features the same story, Death of a Phantom, by David Bishop and Cesar Spadari. Uh, I love the Pirate Queen stories. Uh, it's it's a bit confusing to me why they chose this and not one of uh, the other one because this feels like it's about middle in the saga but yeah as far as reprints go I, I enjoy this and uh, as we will learn later is that the sequel to this story uh, will be reprinted in issue 1 of 2021 then we have issue 22-23 it has a cover by Henrik Salström. Uh, it's a really nice one, in my opinion. The main story is called Den Falske Jean Lafitte, and it's, uh, I mean, the, the false Jean Lafitte. Uh, it's by Klaus Remerti and Anthony Spey. It has beautiful art. I love Spey's work, uh, as I've said earlier. And Pirate Stories is also something I really enjoy. And in this story, someone is pretending to be Jean Lafitte and the 13th Phantom and his wife, uh, Lafitte's sister, is on a quest to stop the new pirate. And it's uh, nice actions. I, uh, yeah, I, I liked it. Then we have this Necros Rånaren, The Strange Rubber, by Klaus Remerti, George Olsen and Keith Williams. It's a pretty good daily for that time period. Uh, I have some personal attachment to it since I got uh, one of the original strips from it when I met George Olsen many years ago. Uh, let me check. I found it. Uh, it's there. <sighs> Wonderful. Uh, so maybe that's why I like it a bit more. Uh, then there is a side story that I don't usually bring up. I haven't read it either to be honest. Then we have The Crusader's Treasure by Tony DePaul and George Olsen and Keith Williams. Yeah, I don't know about this. It starts off good. Weapons hidden away in the jungle and expedition, but uh, somewhere along the way it just feels very long and repetitive and not enough happens, uh, in my opinion. 
that brings us to number 24. I love this stunning cover by Luca Arbata. It might be his best. It's so light and nice. Yeah, I really enjoy this. Uh, the main story, Stulna Ringar, Stolen Rings by Klaus Remerti, Daniel Miller and Anthony Spey. And uh, here we have this uh, text about how it was supposed to be Cesar Spadari, but uh, and it, this story was supposed to be done by him, but yeah, sadly he passed away and then there was two, these other two uh, artists who finished it and I guess it's not the best cir uh, circumstances to create a, uh, overall good art to split it up and have a short deadline and uh, I think it, it shows a bit, I mean it it, it has really good art at some places, uh, but some some places it feels a bit rushed, and the two artists is not. Uh, I mean, you can see which pages are which artists. I would say. And the story is about Phantom losing his rings to bad guys that take advantage of the power behind them. Not that uncommon trope, but I think uh, this has made it a bit more than the regular stories that have this it's feels like a gangster story and then a second story on top of that and yeah it's, uh, it's yeah uh, the story is quite good then there's another story in this uh, one and it's this uh, errand of mercy uh, made by Jeff Vigel Another Australian story. That's uh, it happens more and more often, and I, I like this. Too bad it isn't colored, uh, but um, it's quite nice story. That brings us to the last issue of the year, twenty five twenty six. The cover is made by Henrik Solström, and it's really nice, also. Uh, the main story is Earn, the island, by Klaus Remerti and Kari Leppinen. Uh, oh, on the cover it says it's by Anthony Spey, but that is a typo. It is clearly by Kari Leppinen. Uh, the Phantom tries to take down a ship of smugglers, but gets blinded by a flare. Uh, here he gets blinded. And both the Roughnecks and the Phantom get stranded on this island. And yeah, I really like this story. It's fun that the Phantom gets blinded and not hit in the back of the head for once. <laughs> and uh, then it's more of a survival story and who, who hunts who on this island. And it's also a tiger wild on the island. Second part of the comic book is a really long newspaper story. Heloise Återvänderhem, Heloise Comes Home by Tony DePaul and Mike Manley. As I said, really long, uh, but it felt action-filled and good. Starts off with Heloise and Kadia fleeing the US during the aftermath of uh, Heloise defeating the Nobad. The second part of the story is the 21st Phantom trying to free Imara Sahara, the Nomad's wife. A few things of notice happens in this story. 
You can see some real life persons like, uh, uh, let's see here if I can find them. Okay, I found it. It's this, uh, I think it's the Prime Minister of Canada I heard on uh, Facebook. And it's this tweet from uh, Donald Trump. And I would say like uh, me and my son, we, or at least my son laughed out loud when he read the tweet. And I thought it was quite funny as well. But uh, I think it's a bit of a risk move to include this because right now it's fun, quite fun. But uh, I mean, I hope the Phantom to be, get published at least 50 or 70 or 100 years more. And have, having contemporary real-life person in a strip, I feel it gonna feel very dated when they make a reprint of it, uh, like a decade in the future. But maybe I'm worried about things that I shouldn't. <laughs> Another thing to note is that uh, yeah, the Phantom, uh, yeah, he's forced to kill quite a few bad guys, and I mean this rarely happens i think it's okay if he's killing because he has no other options than to die himself but i feel it's noteworthy that that hap doesn't happen that often and last thing is wow it's a good thing that Loage is president again in phantomen uh, otherwise it would be a strange edit either explain how a doctor can get all those resources to get these uh, terrorist uh, uh, suspect out of the US or like getting Sandal Singh to do it how would that conversation gone between Sandal and uh, Heloise uh, I think it's it's really lucky that or lucky it's good that he did uh, took back Loaga to the Phantom presidency and then there's a third store in this great comic I mean this story so so many pages and the last story is Ingen vila för Mr. Walker. No rest for Mr. Walker. Uh, it's written by Jakob Habink, Habinch, Noberto Fernandez and Coral Martinez makes the art. And uh, I guess this is Jakob Habinch. Binix or how he pronounces it second published story like the first one was in the Christmas album and I, I enro really enjoyed this uh, lo last story it was quite funny short uh, I, I don't want to spoil it it's only a few pages so I don't want to say what happens really and all in all I really enjoyed these last issues a lot compared to the beginning of the year when I was more negative and complained a lot about almost every issue it feels like the more modern reprints and stories the happier I got uh, so I, maybe that's a divided question maybe a lot of fans really liked the beginning of the year compared to me and like this last issue, I mean, even this had uh, newly produced stories, even if it wasn't a double issue. So that was really nice. Uh, let's see. It's going to be interesting to see which is going to be the best story of this year with so many 
different kinds of stories and from different decades. As a last note, before I turn over to the Chronicle Chamber guys, the comic book about Donald Duck in Sweden, it's the only older ongoing comic book in Sweden, has changed uh, next year, so only ever uh, every other issue is going to be in uh, stores and the rest is gonna come only to subscribers. And from my understanding, this is to save cost, since most of the cost comes from sending to stores and taking care of the returns and subscription are where they really earn the money. But why am I talking about Donald Duck in a Phantom podcast? Well, this might be the future for Phantomen if it goes well for uh, Kalanka or Donald Duck, because they're owned by the same company. And if they see this goes well, they might think to do the same with Phantomen. And uh, I mean the pros would be they would save cost making better content and uh, a problem I have talked about earlier is that some issues aren't that great to be introduction as a first issue to start with. Then those issues could only go to subscribers and they could maybe change back from having these double issues to only have single issues and Every other issue would go to stores and every other issue would only go to subscribers. I think it might be the future and it might not be bad. It might actually be good. So interesting to see what's happening in the future. That's all for me though. So uh, happy Christmas and happy phantoming. Over to you guys. Rightio, thank you gentlemen for your brilliant reviews. Um, I think maybe you could probably teach us a thing or two about reviews because they're a lot shorter than ours. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> where it happens. <laughs> I'm, and I'm just, can I say, I'm just so stoked that we're getting reviews from around the world. We've, yes. we've had Mikel for a while uh, doing Scandinavia, but to, to be hearing from other parts of the world, we've been asking and calling and pleading in many ways for that on the podcast yeah. and um, to be suddenly hearing from all corners of the globe. Um, yeah, re- really excited. And I hope long may it continue. Yeah. Really an international yeah. podcast for an international yeah. hero. Exactly. Exactly. We, we're a bunch of Aussies, but we, we are international. We report on everything around the world. We love stuff. Some different levels of love. Um, but you know, <laughs> we, we love stuff from around the world. We love the Phantom. Um, we want, everyone whether english is your main language or whether you got to listen to all these subtitles you know on youtube or or whatever but um you know we hope our humor um and our fun uh you know glosses over our our mistakes and our shortcomings and our butchering of international names and people enjoy it because that's what we want um so what we'll do is we'll go on to some news uh we'll fly through some of the news as much as possible uh quickly uh, Mikkel hasn't given us an update, but he has let slip uh, that he will be sending an update soon. It will probably be out by the time this podcast will be out. But um, if you this is the card game. Uh, this is with the card game. So if you are uh, a paper for that, um, make sure you keep an eye on that update regarding that very soon. And we did get a bit of a sneak of what that is, and uh, I, I enjoyed that. Um, now, regarding the board game update, um, what's interesting, and I do want to do want to touch upon this a little bit, um, is that the uh, the 
the game won't be delivered before Christmas. Um, the game will probably be in the first quarter of 2021. Um, you know, maybe if it keeps getting delayed, they just uh, save on postage and just give it to everyone at uh, Supernova if, if there's any more delays. Um, but, but what is interesting is that the trade paperback is ready to be sent out. Apparently, it's been sent out to the international Kickstarter campaigners, followers, pledges, whatever the word is, but it hasn't been um, sent out to the Australian readers all the Australian pledges, and it's also not for sale on the Fru website. What are your thoughts about that? Um, I just thought it was going to come with the um, with the board game, so I hadn't really given it too much thought. So here's a question: Should it come out? before, i.e. Christmas is a brilliant time for it to be released, or should it only come out when the board game is ready to be sent out? I reckon it should only come out when the board game is ready to be sent out. That was how it was sold at the time. It's linked to the board game. Um, I would think that if it's suddenly for sale, then um, we, we all know that there are extra copies of the board game that are going to be available for sale by through. So that would be a great link-in. So I think, you know, for mine, it should probably wait until the board game's available. And, um, and, and while we're on it, the, the, the delay in the board game, there are going to be people who are upset about that. I'm not one of them because I'm probably a bit more patient, I suppose. And for me, the, uh, the money's been spent and I've forgotten about it. And when the board game arrives, it's going to feel like a free board game because it's been so <laughs> long since I paid for it. Um, but, you know, the, the global economy... And the Australia's relationship with China, we know um, if you if you read the newspapers at the moment, um, is in a perilous state. So um, it is what it is, and the the delay is absolutely beyond the control of the people behind the Kickstarter campaign. So um, uh, if if people are getting upset about the delay in the delivery of um, the board game. You know, just hold your roll. Like is what I would say. Um, just, just be calm, be, be relaxed, be wait for it. It'll come. Um, and when it comes, it'll come with the trade paperback. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. I hope it comes out with the game and not before. Yes, I, I think it will be. The fan inside of me would be wants to hurry up and get it and read it. I'm interested in seeing the whole thing in color and seeing uh, the the next part that we haven't seen yet. Uh, so I'm intrigued about that. I want, you know, I want to hurry up and read it, but I think there's the possibility that there will be negative press that is not needed or not necessary for an extra few dollars if we decide to release it earlier. Yeah. I think if, I think if it suddenly was to appear on the website and, and anyone could buy it, then the, people who had backed the Kickstarter campaign could probably quite rightly feel like they didn't get the exclusive that they were signing up for when they, when they pledged for the trade paper back at the, back in the day. Yeah. You'd be pretty annoyed. Yeah. And not everyone will be, but there will be some. And I just yeah. don't think it's, I just don't think it's a while. I don't, me personally, I'm not a businessman. I've tried to run a business. I failed at that. Um, I'm just a, you know, a person who slugs for the man, but if it was me, I would wait before you sell it. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, the other exciting news is that we have an online phantom pack up. 
now this is I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I really enjoyed the last one that we had um, middle of the year, smack bang in the middle of COVID. Uh, so this Phantom Catch Up is going to be on Saturday, the twelfth of December. Now, which is um, smack bang in the middle of COVID, depending on where you live. <laughs> in Australia, it feels like we're at the other end of COVID, and uh, we do uh, we certainly do. Uh, empathise with people who are who are not quite there, but yeah, very much looking forward to the catch up. Yes, yeah, so now this is going to be nine pm um, AEST time, which is going basically Sydney or Melbourne time. So we've daylight saving. So for instance, uh, you know that's going to be nine pm Melbourne, Sydney, Hobart time, Perth six pm, Adelaide eight thirty pm, uh, New York is. Probably not the best time, which is 5 a.m. Uh, Los Angeles, which is even worse time, which is going to be 2 a.m. So I'm sorry about that for all our Phantom fans in Los Angeles. Um, Jamie Diaz is going to get up nice and early to, to spend some time with us on a, on a 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm sure. In well, New 5 York. o'clock's not that bad. <laughs> I wake up at 5 o'clock daily. I don't think there's anything wrong with 5 o'clock. <laughs> and what about Queensland? You haven't given the Queensland times. Uh, well, Mate, I'll tune in in 1974. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you are in Oslo or Sweden, um, you're on the same time zone, which is 11 a.m. on the Saturday. If you are in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, that will be 7 a.m. Uh, London will be 10 a.m. And if you are one of our many Indian followers, that will be 3.30 p.m. as well. So it could be, it can be wild, it could be fun, it could be awesome. So we hope to see you then. And if you do come, there will be a prize or two, and one of the prizes will be if you're looking on YouTube, whoop, one of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also, if you can't remember all those times that that Germain's um, listed off, go check out the website. They're all they're all listed there under um, yes. What's it called? Online Phantom Fan Catch Up Saturday, twelfth of December. So yes. go check that out. You'll see a nice little strip that's been uh, reappropriated for the. For the it's been, I really like it. Um, there's an invitation to you all, and yeah, there's a, a list of um, of times down there to help you out. Yeah, that was a bit of fun doing that uh, that strip. Um, should have been doing some work, but I just thought, nah, I'm I'm overworked for this week. I'm going to have a bit of fun, and <laughs> and that's what we want this fan catch up to be is a bit of fun. Uh, just so you are aware, last time it actually went for four and a half hours. <laughs> um, you don't have to come for the whole time. Like if you're someone like Chris Hill who falls asleep by eight thirty p.m., uh, he lasted about half hour to an hour, and then you get some um, some mad people that like to stay up the whole time. A.e., i.e., um, Paul Mason who doesn't sleep. So um, yeah, so come whether it's for ten minutes, whether it's for the whole time. Uh, come, let's have some fun. Cool bananas. Um, what have we got next? We got a crooked dice games miniature pieces. Yes. Now, before we cut to Mikkel's video, um, Stephen, have you brought these? No. Dan, I believe you've brought some. I have, but they haven't arrived yet. Have you? You've actually got them in your hands. I've got them in my hands now. Again, if you're on YouTube, or if you're not on YouTube, you might want to watch it. Or Mikkel has. We have posted Mikel's video, which is them painted. So for those on YouTube, this is what they look like unpainted. They're tiny. 
yeah, yeah. That's the size of the old army man by the looks of things. Yeah, yeah. So, for instance, I'm just trying to find, I'm just trying to think of something. Um, would it be like a, a pick, like, have you got, um, a, a, you know, the board game Cluedo? I don't know if you've got yes. a more mo- modern version of it, but we bought yes. one, I don't know, a year or two ago. And yeah, the figures on that, they look about the same size. But, yeah. but, but, but for perspective, Germ, do you have a pin of any kind that you could hold up next to it? Or even a key ring. Or a key ring? <laughs> so say, for instance, this beautiful key ring here, which is, I believe, 60 mils, which gives you a bit of an idea. Um, yep. Now, this is another phantom figurine, which is from Norway, I believe. Uh, that's about three or four inches. I think about four inches. You can see the size difference there. Um, it is very small, which makes the painted version that Mikkel has... Yeah. She's about to show in the video, all the more amazing. Where the level of detail is amazing. Like when when he, when he showed us the, the the painted, I'm thinking, oh yeah, they must be like this big or something. But could you imagine the size of the paintbrush? You must be using like <laughs> a to be able to paint the level of detail on here. Like you've got, I'm not sure if you can see it, but there's the triangle of the Phantom's gun belt is there. The, the gun, well, and that's the. That's the thing. Painted or not, the level of detail on something that yeah. small is pretty impressive. The um, Warhammer pieces is something that's probably a similar sort of size as well. And um, I, I hadn't purchased these because they're, they're unlicensed to the point where they're not even called the Phantom and Diana. Um, <laughs> they're not really Phantom and Di- No, the Mist mm-hmm. and Evelyn. Is, is that right? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, so they're not even... They're... they're <laughs> They're trying not to be the Phantom and Diana. Um, it was, but after I saw Mikel's video, I was like, "Well, I have to get a copy. I have to get." And yeah. they're so affordable, like eight pounds each, yeah. um, or sorry, eight so, euros, whatever it was. No, eight, um, eight pounds. Eight pounds. Eight, yeah. yeah. So, so really, really quite cheap for you know that's about twenty Australian dollars, which is what we say we pay for everything. We don't pay that for anything, but to be able to pay that for these is pretty incredible. Yeah, $20 is the universal language for saying to your wife, I overspent, but I don't want you to know that. <laughs> That's right. But now th- now this is actually $20. <laughs> posted- yeah, look at the size of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I personally think they're worth buying. I really like mine. I'm going to buy some more, and I am going to get them painted. Um, I'm not so how, was it $20 for, for, them to, for the two, or was it $20 yeah. each? $20 so $20 for two. You can only buy the two, and there's others. There's Doc Savage, there's the Rocketeer, there's um, there's a whole heap of pulp figures. Again, None of which are known by those names for copyright reasons. Yes. And <laughs> to be honest, so I don't that norm- look like Rocketeer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a sh- I don't normally buy a lot of unlicensed things, but no. I brought these in a heartbeat. I'm happy with them. Um, Mikel, uh, I can't remember the guy who's painted them for Mikel, but they did a brilliant job. So what we'll do is we'll cut away to Mikel, who will show us the painted versions, and we will come back in a second. Show you off this beautiful minis. Let's see if I can. Yeah, that's the focus. This is called Evelyn, the Explorer model, and this beautiful one is the comic book superhero the mist but he looks quite similar to another hero i like 
these two figures are made by Crooked Dice Game Design Studio and they made a lot of others uh, that are similar to heroes we know uh, but of course these are not uh, licensed products uh, uh, my beautiful paintings are made by Andrew from the Wii Gamer and Bunker Club I love this paint job just the color uh, the fan uh, I mean the mist should have I also, like you, Jim, am planning on getting someone who can actually paint. I'm going to go to my uh, local comic book store and get them to hit me up with somebody who they know is nerdy in this area. And uh, I'm going to outsource that so a, a good job is actually done because the, the versions that Mikel has just shown us are unreal and I expect nothing less from the ones that I'm going to put on my shelf. <laughs> We've actually got a Warhammer shop here in Ballarat, so... Uh... Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'll have to uh, get myself to spend my 20 bucks and then pop down there and say, look, you got anyone who can paint these? Yes. Probably cost you more than 20 to get them painted. Yeah, that might be <laughs> right too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, something else has happened is Mythos um, on one of our friends' um, uh, video podcast, I guess you can call it, Phantasma Brazil, has talked about their publishing changes and also their 2021 schedule. So they've kind of mapped it all out. Again, this link of the bullet points as well as the full video is all on our website. So uh, make sure you go have a look at that. Um, a couple of the key changes, I won't spend too much time on it, is that they won't be publishing any Team Phantom End stories in 2021. They'll be um, post-Forks death stories uh, artists. So that will be... Olsen, Olsen and Williams, uh, Nolan, uh, Paul Ryan, uh, Terry Beatty, Mike Manley, um, Eduardo. Um, I'm missing some people. Mike Manley. Uh, I think that might be it. If I miss someone, please forgive me. So those type of artists. And one of the reasons they are probably choosing those yeah, artists is very similar as why um, uh, Regal are doing it as well is because a lot of those a lot of those stories have never been officially published in India before, so it gives the older fans a chance to read something new. Um, they will be also publishing some uh, extras. I think there's a mask. Um, they're also going to be publishing a King Features book which is going to have the Phantom, Flash Gordon, Mandrake, Billy Beatty, and a lot of these other type of characters in the one book. So that could be quite interesting to get as well. Now, again, if you like, if you're a completist, your best bet is to basically find a, a Brazil, a Phantasma fan, um, and basically do a swap with them. That's the best way to do it. It's what I do. It's what Dan does, and I know a lot of other uh, Australian and international fans do the same. Um, now, Stephen, do you have a cup of handy? No, I've, just, I've seen a run sheet and I've realised that I, uh, I don't have a cup in here. I mean, I mean, for those of you who are listening, I'm back in the, back in the car today. We're, we're recording a little bit late and I didn't want to keep the, um, the family up. However, if I was recording back at my desk, I could just easily reach over and grab a, a mug that I've recently um, got. But seeing as I don't have it now, if you're watching on YouTube, you can go check out my video. I made up a pretty cool video. It was good. 
<laughs> I enjoyed your video, Steve. <laughs> and uh, it, it drove me to um, uh, take my daughter for a walk through Sanity the other day. <laughs> and uh, just uh, I had to look for where they kept their mugs, but I saw the Phantom mug up on the shelf. And uh, I pointed out to her, she who has just got a part-time job and now is had got control of her own funds, uh, <laughs> that Christmas is coming. And look at look at that. There's a phantom heat change mug up on the shelf. And that's the sort of thing I'd really love for Christmas. But, oh, well, I guess I don't have that at the moment. And, and yeah, I kept walking. But your video was inspirational. And... Uh, <laughs> And hopefully, um, something uh, something mug shaped is wrapped up under the tree for me this year. <laughs> yes. Now, if, you, if you are a Phantom fan and you want to drop the subtle hint to your loved one, your partner, your kids, or or whatever, just tag him in the social media post, and um, <laughs> maybe they'll get a hint. But um, you mentioned sanity. Uh, was it a bit of a buzz, Stephen? Uh, Hunting through Sanity. We know you're a musician, so you probably go to Sanity <laughs> quite often. Was it a buzz going to Sanity and being able to pick up a, a CD or a record or whatever you pick up at Sanity these days, as well as something phantom? Was that a buzz? Um, yeah, it was definitely unexpected. I really did not expect to get a, a phantom mug at Sanity. Up. Um, so when really across the, the well, no, concourse or whatever you call it, there's a... Um, I don't even know. What, I want to say Smoke Mart or something like that. One of those shops. Yeah. What used to be What's New and those sort of things. That's yeah. not What's New anymore. Um, which I would have thought would have the 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 mug in there, but they didn't. Um, and then they did. But my, my local comic shop hasn't got it yet either. But um, yeah, yeah Sanity. Sanity's your, your go-to on this one at the moment. And apparently, yeah, was it, sorry. Oh no! I was just going to say it was really interesting actually walking through the store because Sanity always used to be about DVDs and CDs. And they've still got those, but of course, all of the streaming, your Spotify's and your Netflixes make those pretty much redundant. I was amazed at how many um, knickknacks and that sort of thing Sanity is starting to get in there. They had an entire jigsaw aisle, um, which yeah. I guess is COVID-inspired, but suddenly Sanity is your home for jigsaws. Yep. And, um, well, I did go into JB Hi-Fi recently too. I didn't see the mug there, but they've got a stack of jigsaws as well. Yeah, crazy. And, and talking about jigsaws... Why? What's going on with jigsaws? Um, <laughs> another brilliant Christmas present is the fact that there is a new puzzle, Phantom-related, uh, from Icon Collectibles, which we only assume will be related uh, on Sanity as uh, from Sanity as well. Well, the the heat change mug is Icon, and the yes. wall banner that they they've got for pre-order is going to be available yes. through Sanity as well. So I guess this puzzle may be um, appearing in Sanity stores too. It's yeah, getting fans back in the in the sanity. Yeah, and you know, we, we're not a sanity uh, blog, so we won't spend too much time on that. Although, if they do want to sling a few bucks our way, we're always listening, and uh, our PayPal account is chroniclechamber at gmail dot com. If we see an email from Sanity, we can keep saying Sanity. Yeah, <laughs> until <laughs> our listeners have lost their sanity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, but it's Icon Collectibles we know has the big expensive figurines and stuff like that. And I think what is important for Phantom for the Phantom is that we have our high end collectibles, but then we also have our lower, cheaper the affordable. Affordable Christmas gift presents or Father's Day type of presents. And 
they've timed it really well with the mug out in November and now the puzzle for December. Everyone's doing jigsaw puzzles. Um, so, you know, if realistically, Dan, you could get your three kids between them could get you two, <laughs> two presents of the Phantom, which is probably a nice change from um, a new uh, head warmer beanie or, um, <laughs> or or a razor or something like that that you probably... <laughs> what are you suggesting? Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it, I, I think it's great. All, you know, big tick for Icon and Sanity and everyone else involved for bringing out some good items in time for yeah. Christmas. I, I think it's a great partnership. We've talked about Fru going into Coles, um, yes. Icon going into Sanity. Like, um, it's not something we would have expected. And, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully it just uh, puts the product out there um, in front of a few more people. Yeah. Of course, if you find the products in other stores, uh, let us know so we can give them a yes. shout-out as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah, and a huge shout-out to um, uh, Sean Bassett, who actually was the one who gave us the heads up for the um, sanity um, ahead of time as well. So, And while we're talking about um, uh, new products, um, we were quite excited when we managed to figure out this news and um, we did a little bit of investigation and, and stuff like that um, uh, between, between, you know, between the group of us. Um, we contacted a few different uh, contacts from around the world and we were able to confirm that there is actually a new KFS style, uh, style guide, um, which we are going to see um, some of the images and the logos and stuff like that in 2021 for the 85th anniversary. So, um, yeah, so I was pretty excited about that. It's nice to see something fresh. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably just pick you up on, on two points. <laughs> One, I, they um, KFS and Merchant Wise are keen to say that it's not actually a style guide um, as such but there's a new logo and some new character art I'm not sure what the difference is between um, new logos and new character arts and calling that a new style guide um, that's a technicality but but I, I will just put it out there that that's what they're saying that's what they're uh, saying but what it is is a new style guide <laughs> um, and also well, well, I guess they don't have the because the green, the jungle green color has been part of the style guide over the last X amount of years, and they haven't stipulated. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the other thing is, I don't actually think they've brought it out specifically for the 85th anniversary. I think it's just a happy coincidence um, because at no point have they, they there's nothing in there that suggests 85th. So it'll be nice that some of the 85th anniversary stuff has got a new um, feel to it, and it feels a bit more fresh. But um, I think I, I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that KFS have put that much thought into it uh, to say that this is the reason. You, you, you'll be right because KFS, let's be honest, from our experience, do not really care or have that much foresight. Um, but the fact is that we're getting something fresh, and that it is the 85th next year, and it's a happy coincidence, maybe. But it's, uh, it's good to see something fresh, which is what I'm happy about. Um, the, the design of the logo, I think, is a bit busy, especially with the surrounding edge or shadow of the actual logo. Um, if they could lose that, I would be happier with that. I like the skull as the O. Uh, it's sort of been done before. Um, and the images, 
I'm not a huge fan of them, but it's fresh. It's something more aimed probably towards the younger generation. And I'm interested and I'm hoping that I will be proven wrong and that they'll, the designs will grow on me and it will be something that I will yeah. like down the track. The, um, the designs are by a comic book cover artist by the name of Amelia Vidal, um, who's um, relatively well-known in the Marvel world with uh, a lot of character design for Marvel. Um, anyone who's been following or is a KFS fan or a King Features fan, um, and you know, by extension, I guess, fandom, but uh, would know that she is the cover artist for the Mandrake Legacy books which yes. um we haven't really discussed uh, because we're not a mandrake podcast we're a fandom podcast but you may be aware once. of this yeah so once. now if there's anyone out there that has read the issues and would like to do a review i think at the moment issue two has just come out i think it's a four-part issue so if there's yeah. anyone out there that would like to do a video review of the four-part issue um just drop us a line at our email address which is yeah I think that uh, it, well, look. I think it's an interesting, um, an interesting fact in itself that um, the, the this new style guide or these images that are being provided by KFS are drawn by female artists in the first instance. In, instance because that's um, not something that has happened a lot in the Phantom universe. Um, so to have it as the uh, the go to or the the actual default images is is going to be interesting in itself um i also i don't know it, it, i've had a good look at the designs and at first glance i was like oh i don't really that's not my fandom in a sense but the more i look at them the more i like them and i think there's lots of ways you could use those that would be really appealing and, I, and i'm thinking i guess of the the glow in the dark the glow zone stickers um, they remind me a little bit of those i yeah. think that as as stickers as enamel pins or um, in, in anything else you'd like to do with them, I think they could look really stunning. So also, uh, also if you're having products aimed towards the younger generation as well. Yeah, well, Amelia has most of her art. If you go and have a look at the the body of work, she's um, clearly influenced by anime, in my opinion. Like just with the size of the eyes and the the type of, and, and I might can be completely wrong because I haven't done my thesis in um, uh, in arts. Uh, or comic book art, so I could be completely wrong. But she just, it, it does seem to be, it's a very modern look, um, yeah. which it's not Cy Barry, which, you know, I guess is our go-to statement, but um, is just the case for yeah. for what I guess a lot of fans expect. So well, um, I, I like it. Yeah. The, more, the more time I spend with those images, the more I like them. Yeah. And, you know, like they were keen to say it's not kind of like replacing, it's probably additional to mm. the current style guide. So yeah. what that allows is if you're look if you're creating a product that needs the classic Cyberry arms folded jungle green look that's very classical phantom, that's perfect. But if you're looking for something that's a little bit cutting edge for the younger generation, say thirty and under and stuff like that, that's what you're going to be using. You don't want to use a Cyberry look because it doesn't reach that target audience. So it, yeah. you know, maybe you could call it an extension of this current style guide, but I think it's brilliant. Um, kudos to KFS and Hearst. We don't get to say that as much as we, as I would like us to be able to say. So yeah. a huge, a huge thumbs up uh, to those who have uh, 
who have done that. You've done a good thing. Hopefully, it means we can see some products aimed towards the younger generation and maybe even some more products. Um, yep. It is the 85th, so you know, hopefully we can see some uh, products for that as well. And talking about 85 years. Well, and, and uh, is this moving on to Melon? Um, I'd, I'd just say that I really like the way that she's depicted um, Devil and Hero in particular um, yeah. in, in amongst those images. Anyway, I've now flicked back to the run sheet and I say, see that this is about Melon. So the, uh, the Melon diary, the 2021 diary that's uh, coming out, most people who have been following us or um, uh, have subscribed to Melon will have um, seen this uh, information and the ad actually, there's an ad for the diary in issue 1881. Um, and the back cover of uh, issue 1881, we're starting to see, yep, Germ's holding it up. I've just found it as well. The, uh, the order form for the Mallon diary, um, it, the, the, that's progressing well. Um, I think that um, from my conversations with the, uh, the compiler, she's starting to go a little bit um, uh, batty with the amount of phantom iconography and uh, information that she's just delving through on a day-to-day basis. Um, looking forward to having that available for, uh, well, it's an 85th anniversary um, celebration in, the, in, the, in, I guess, in the same sense that I just said that KFS have accidentally released something for the 85th anniversary. This is deliberately for the 85th anniversary and so is starting to be timed for release um, mid-February, which is 17th of February, which would be the actual 85th anniversary. So probably not ideal if, you, if you're actually going to use it as a diary, but from everything we can see um, about this um, volume, it's much more than, more than just a diary. It's a, it's a reference book as much as anything yeah. else. Now, to be as open as possible, and I'm wary for time because I think Stephen's falling asleep, um, <laughs> yep, probably. Breathe <laughs> um, a bit deeper. Yeah, I think it. I think it will be a miss of us not to put our cards on the deck and actually say that we have been involved a little bit in this pro in this diary reference book. We won't say too much, but um, you know, there. You know, I, I, in an earlier podcast, we said some things, and I guess they said, well. You've got some opinions. How about you um, <laughs> put up or shut up? Yeah, yeah, put up or shut up. And um, so we, we have been involved in some of the some of the work in this, and um, uh, hopefully we'll be able to. I'm not sure what we can say or what we can't say, so I'll just leave it at that. And then hopefully, as it gets closer, we might even be able to get them on the podcast or be able to actually tell us a little bit more about it. But um, yeah. keep yeah. an eye on our website on our social because. Um, I would assume there will be a lot more uh, announcements and and notes and stuff like that coming up. Absolutely. And look, we we would also acknowledge that the the price point of this is um, more expensive than um, people are probably used to from the Melon Diaries. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what uh, fans get in terms of bang for their buck. But um, the image that's been released in, the, um, in that advertisement that we both just held up there in the back of 1881 has got the pencils of the uh, Barry limited edition print that's going to come with the limited edition version. Um, that looks pretty cool. Um, we know that that is going to be coloured with watercolours, 
which is uh, Sire's current, um, you know, passion. I guess he's he's really exploring his watercolors, and um, that's going to look pretty spectacular. I would have thought mm. so. Um, once you get that in um, in full size, in color, and all the rest of it uh, as a limited edition print, yes, it's going to be costly. Is it going to be worth it? Well, if you're a proper collector, then it probably is. Yeah. All right, cool. So we'll, we'll shoot on. We'll try and cover some more Phantom news uh, just briefly. Uh, there was a nice Phantom cameo in uh, Beatty Bealey uh, issue eighteen twenty twenty, um, which uh, came out a couple of probably about a couple of months ago. The Phantoms in caricature on the front cover and in one of the stories as well. That was released in Norway, Finland, and Sweden. So it's good to see the Phantom still holding. A nice. Um, uh, it's still seeing the Phantom in those countries and, and being an iconic enough character to be in popular media as well. Um, now, Stephen, uh, can you quickly show us something? Yeah. So, anyone who's been on Facebook recently, um, on, make sure you watch us on this bit on Facebook as on YouTube as well. YouTube. On YouTube. Hey, I'm just going. Big up my screen so I can see what I'm doing. Um, you may have seen Jason Polos has been selling some of his original art. And so me, like I'm sure plenty of other people have done as well, um, had a bit of a uh, search through, a bit of a scroll through what, what was on offer. And I found a couple that, um, that I was after. Um, I got in contact with Jason and worked out what the prices are. And, well, I can't afford everything that I want at the moment, but I was able to afford this. So this is a page, it's page three of the Phantom uh, from Gaslight, um, episode eight, uh, which I think was in through 1844, from memory, it was a Grange um, cover, uh, it was The Slaves. You, the, you the say that as title. if you haven't already sent it to the framers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may have been looking to see which one it was, but I don't have it here with me. Because well, when I when I got the art out, um, my youngest uh, Jeremy he was checking it out. Because it's so much bigger than the comic book, Dad. And so there was a bit of a, a lesson there in how they how they do the um, the comics. So saying so, yeah, letting him know that this is actually what the artist drew on, or you know, um, created the art on, and then that gets scanned and coming to the comics so yeah the, so i really like this page and um something that i forgot to mention um or maybe i did realize it when i was picking it but dan realized it pretty quick when i did my show off with you guys earlier um not often you can get a a, a page of phantom art with three different phantoms on it yeah yeah um, a brilliant point so, so we got um but the phantom we got uh julie and we've got i can't remember the other fellow's name but um the other phantom, mm. with the um, with yeah. the loincloth, Tarzan phantom, for lack of a better word. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I really like this because it's got plenty of action. The hero's looking strong, and I really wanted something where Julie was looking strong as well. And so doing the um, the big old skull punch on the bad guy there, um, yeah. it's pretty strong. Well, yeah, I think they get much stronger than that. And it also came with Jason also threw in uh, pencils. Which we, might be a bit harder to see on the camera now, but the the bottom section of the um of the page, he, he's, cool. you know, he's he's pencil roughs for that. So I'm really happy with it. I really like the way it's come out, and um yeah, I've got to put it in a nice spot now. 
So Jason's been posting, um, well, basically, is uh, fire sales the wrong word because it's not, um, he, he's not throwing it out for. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not like he's trying to trade out of Collingwood. Um, but he's, <laughs> they're, um, he, he's really put all of his phantom artwork up for sale to try and raise funds for another project that he's doing. So um, uh, if, you, if you're at all interested in Jason Paulus art, and why wouldn't you be, um, then go and check him out on the, the social medias, Facebook in particular, to, to follow through to the links of, um, of everything he's got for sale. And I know that, uh, Jermaine, both you and I are planning on following in Stephen's footsteps at some time in the near future yes. and picking up some of his art. Just need, yeah. just need yeah, to save yeah. up your 20 bucks a bit more. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, it's not. It's not. 20, it's not actually twenty dollars. Uh, <laughs> no. no, you did. You did a great. You did a great um, piece there. So, Stephen, is that your uh, Christmas present? Or uh, that, well, I had screwed away a bit of cash over the last couple of months, and um, so I just, it was just timing rather than yeah, rather than anything. Um, so I just happened to have the cash, and so um, and so yeah, I got it. Awesome. So, yeah, no, it was a great piece. Um, you've done well. Um, I guess, we, you know, it's a perfect time to discuss. Uh, do you guys have certain Christmas presents that you are um, looking forward for Phantom Related or...? Well, I wouldn't mind the puzzle. I don't have that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Those would that, would that would be the things for me. Like, as I said, taking my daughter through Sanity, if the puzzle turns up there as well, if I can, if I can get both of those things, the mug okay. and the the puzzle then i'll consider myself uh well looked after from a fandom point of view um i do have been watching the wilson mccoy art that's been appearing on the heritage auctions and uh there was one piece that i was very very keen on and a lot of wilson mccoy art had been going for that 50 60 dollar mark and i thought wow if i can there's this one piece if i can pick that up and i was prepared to go to eight or nine hundred dollars on it and uh, while I wasn't looking, it sold for three and a half thousand dollars. So wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to need to become a bit more. Uh, I'm going to have to save a few more shekels <laughs> before I can mm. be affording those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. And I guess we're living in a real golden time. We won't spend too much longer, but we're living in a real golden time where Phantom Art is affordable, but it's also readily available. Um, you know, you can buy art from Wilson McCoy, Cy Barry, um, you know, Mike Manley's selling it, um, Jeff Wagle yeah, yeah. is selling it. I believe Terry Beatty still has some pages for sale as well. But, you know, there's five newspaper yeah, artists. Yeah. Uh, Keith Williams, and even, even Graham Nolan put some pages up to do with his um, uh, Kickstarter that he had up recently. Yeah. So. so with that, Keith Williams, there's seven artists in the last... If, uh, for the last 70 years that have drawn the Phantom that you can buy original art from and not to mention comic book art, artists like uh, like Jason Paulos who you just showed there um, and there's plenty of other artists out there who are selling their pages as well and it's not l ridiculous prices that like you would expect to see with um, you know Batman and, and, and some of the more yeah, um, that's artists so uh, brilliant Christmas wish lists, um, good good ideas. Uh, and then if you don't have the funds for that, of course, there is the mug and stuff like that. And if you are a Patreon user as well, talking about Christmas gifts, um, 
this has been a bit of a fun project. And this is something we've actually been organised for the last month. And it has absolutely been very hard for me to uh, keep this under our hat. But for those Patreons, if you're a Patreon level from $5 or over, or you have been with us for donkey's years, we have already sent out um, to our Patreons uh, some stickers. And I'll just show these up here as I'm talking because it's probably on me there. So these are 60 mil uh, little stickers, uh, circle ones. We have uh, pins, um, which I will get nice and close. These came out a little bit dark, but I still think they're pretty cool. Uh, it's with the logo um, by Grange Wallace. So a huge shout out to Grange. Um, so this pin, uh, it's probably about a, a 30 mil, maybe. 25 mil, I think it is. And then a key ring as well. Now, I will admit, I put one of these on my uh, wife's set of keys as soon as I got it. And it was a couple of days before she noticed. And she was like, Oi, how did you get that on there? She um, <laughs> know about these as well. So uh, these are key rings. But if, like I said, if you're one of our patrons at a five-door level or more, or you've been with us for a long period of time, we have sent a sticker, uh, a key ring, and a pin to you. If you're from uh, an international Patreon, uh, please be patient. I did send them out. Um, I didn't do it through. I sent them out at the same time as everyone else. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, basically, you know, we just wanted to say thank you to our Patreon. You mean a lot to us. You help us pay the bills. You help us pay for cool projects that we've got coming up and stuff like that. Without what you do, we can't do everything that we do. So from the bottom of our hearts, I just want to say thank you for 2020, especially it's a hard year. I know people that have lost their jobs and they're still supporting us and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I guess um, now's a good time to, to, to mention the, the next little gift that we'll be giving to uh, our patrons as well. And that's relation to uh, episode 176 um, which is coming out next. Um, there's a, there's going to be a little sneak thing that you can see through the Patreons. Uh, Jermaine's <laughs> waggled it there in front oh, of the camera. Um, if, you, if you're on you've, YouTube, you'll be able to see this if I hold it still. But, ooh, nice and thick. What is this? No, that's it. And uh, <laughs> so, Patreons, watch your emails um, before the next podcast drops because there's going to be a link to something that you're going to want to have a look at before episode 176 of the pod. And it's world exclusive. Yes, yep. this, absolutely. This, this, this is, along with, our, along with our Bushfire book, the, the best thing that has, happened, that, that has happened with being associated with Chronicle Chamber for 2020. Um, this was an amazing exclusive. Um, we got to a sneak where no one else has gotten. Um, and, oh, this is this like I said before about the stickers and that uh, being hard to keep to myself. This is a lot harder to keep. <laughs> um, I'm really impressed, Jim, because you're <laughs> you, keeping secrets to yourself is not in your wheelhouse, and so for you to be able to get this is really impressive. It's 
This this is big. Uh, this is big. Um, big news. And again, Jeez, we're selling it. We really are selling it here. We, it, yeah, 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 yeah. You better edit it well. <laughs> People are still listening two hours in. Are going to listen to the next podcast, whatever we whatever we say. So it'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, make sure you listen. Patreon again, a huge stat. Thanks to you guys. If you would like to become a Patreon, you can do that by uh, there's various links on our show notes in this. Uh, um, so Stephen's yawning and making me yawn and losing concentration. <laughs> go, um, go to uh, patreon.com and search for Chronicle Chamber. You'll be fine. And there's also links on our website as well. So a huge shout out uh, to everyone um, who does that. Now we'll quickly, quickly um, wrap up and then we'll say goodbye. So if you want to find out more about us, you can at chroniclechamber.com, which is our website. Our email address is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. So if, again, if you want to write an article or do a review on the Mandrake uh, series or anything else that comes out, please drop us an email. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify or via apps like Podbean, Player FM, CastBox, Listen Notes, or you, again, you can watch us on YouTube. So for myself, uh, thank you for all our listeners for listening to this. Uh, Dan, Stephen, as always, happy phantoming and thank you. Happy phantoming. Happy phantoming and happy birthday, Jim. years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The man come, the ghost who walks, the man come. Enemies beware, the phantom's always there, but you won't find the phantom. He finds...